made me really depressed that I didn't see the Fletch movie that John Hamm was in. Yeah, I didn't see it either. But it's like John Hamm is like, okay, my perception of you has changed dramatically because if you can do James, James Mason, Mason. <laughs> like, I want to see what you can do. Like, who is doing James Mason yeah, impersonations? Yeah, Even when people knew who he yeah. And that's another tragedy that yeah. people, people don't know who he is now. No, and it's very strange, but it makes a lot of sense, but it's very strange. Yeah. But yeah, but watching John Hamm, like, like <laughs> nobody gets this. There's like 5% of the population. Oh, Jim Green, me that glass of water. <laughs> Thank you very much for this whole tone. It, it was and... so, it was remarkably well done. Hello and welcome to the Super 70 Podcast, episode 34.6, 2023. <laughs> Dave and I go over the biggest releases in 2023 and hit our letterbox to see what worked, what didn't, and why we keep going back to the theater. Say that again. That was a cool phrase. What, is it live or is it Memorex? Yes. We'll find out shortly? I have not heard that in a very long time. No, I like living in the past. Well, as we go on to every day into the future, I find that the past is more compelling. Well, you are a history guy, so I'm not stunned to hear that revelation. Yeah, you're probably not. But at the same time, I tend to agree. Now, is that because you find it intrinsically more interesting, or do you find it not necessarily easier to understand, but... A lot more points of reference to correlate your thoughts with. That's very interesting. I find the past is less controversial. Only than, because it is the past. Only because it is the past. Right. Things that we talk about right around the time you and I were born mm-hmm. are less controversial than things we talk about today. Right, because we're past the time the controversy was occurring. Right. I'm sure there was controversy, but there was no internet, so you didn't know what the controversy necessarily was every single day, every single moment. Right. I I remember very distinctly when I was in high school, there was a conference going on in Congress about whether or not to pay pensions to American veterans. This plays into Oppenheimer. Okay. American veterans who fought in Spain. Okay. In the Spanish Civil War. And there were people there who fought for Franco Mm -hmm. on the nationalist side who were screaming during this hearing about communists and blah, 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 blah. And I just thought, holy shit. Now, this is like in the in the early 90s. I was okay. like, this was this is ancient history. That is me. ancient history. You know, for, at that time. At that us. time, that's what I thought. <laughs> but then you see, um, I got the Criterion Collection of the Trial. Okay, I've not seen that yet. Yeah, it's it's pretty spectacular. And there's a there's an unedited film on a, a documentary called Filming the Trial, which mm-hmm. Gary Graver was the cinematographer for Wells the past two, three movies he did, he was putting this documentary together called Filming the Trial, which he did the same thing on one called Filming Othello, which is really good. But it was never edited, and, and Wells never finished it like a lot of the stuff that he was working on. And Wells actually says, uh, while he was discussing the trial, that the Spanish Civil War was like the formative experience of his generation. Which is hard. Po- politically, politically. Right. 
you know, and how everything from, from him to Frank Sinatra to, you know, whoever you were in America, if you were politically minded, that was an enormous apex, you know, George Orwell, et cetera, et cetera. You would think for people of that generation, it would be World War II. But I think pretty straightforward. I mean, there's not a lot of controversy. Right. Very clear, clearly defined lines of good and bad, at least from our perspective. Especially in cinema. Correct. But we don't have a whole lot of films about the Spanish Civil War. I I can't think of any. I'm sure they do exist. Yeah. Well, I I know that Anthony Quinn made one in in the 60s. From the famed director of High Noon and From Here to Eternity, new peaks of suspense. Behold a pale horse. Gregory Peck is Manuel Artigas, guerrilla fighter, reckless defender of lost causes. Answer my question. What is it you want? I want you to kill Vignolas. Vignolas is Anthony Quinn, the police chief dedicated to the capture of Manuel Artigas. Come in number two. Come in number three. Number three, bakery truck on station. Number four, on station. Omar Sharif playing a role in sharp contrast to his portrayal of the arrogant sheik in Lawrence of Arabia. I must speak to Senor Artigas. It's very urgent. His life depends on it. He's an informer. Listen to me. You don't say things like that unless you know. I do know! Please, God, it's been 20 years. Let me have this victory. This victory. He would use any means to achieve it. I've set a trap for him. If you try to force me to tell you something my vows forbid me to tell, then you are also desecrating the church. Father, I'm not forcing you to anything. I only hope you know where your duty lies. Why are you going back? What else can I do? In the life of every man, there comes a time when he must take one last desperate chance. This was the moment, and it happened in the Pyrenees. I've never seen it. Right. There is the, why would you make a movie in America in English about the Spanish civil war? What, you know, what is your market for that? Yeah. You wouldn't think the mass populace would have a strong draw. Yeah. That just seems kind of off center for, for your market. Mm -hmm. Right. So that makes sense. But again, like if this is the formative political experience for a lot of people in Hollywood, I don't know if you've, you've seen the documentary on Netflix called five came back. Have not. And it's based on, obviously, a book about about the guys who went to serve in the Signal Corps from Hollywood, okay. the big directors, William Wyler, John Ford, John Houston. Uh, I can't remember the other two. That's okay. Just like the first three, I'm sure Frank, I never Frank heard Frank Capra. I'm joking. And George Stevens, who yeah. did Gunga Doon. Yes. And, and how uh, they came back, absolutely. These were guys who were just like, you know, they were working cameras. But they were traumatized. All of them were just absolutely traumatized. 
And William Wyler, um, I think his son tells this amazing story about how he went back to the village in France where his family was from. He immigrated from France, I think, in, in the mid-30s. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, every Jew in the village was gone. Like every, everyone he ever knew, everyone that he was related to was absolutely gone. So he came back just completely traumatized for it. And this is the guy who made Ben-Hur. Right. So how do you go through an experience like that or how uh, apparently John Ford was so traumatized by what he saw in France that he it turned him physically into an alcoholic for the rest of his life. Sure. And this is the guy who's doing, you know, shying out him and, mm-hmm. and, you know, all those fantastic, uh, they were expendable and uh, great, great movies where you can kind of cl- clearly see like there's like a stage coach, like how green was mm-hmm. my Valley type of career. And then the latter In half the post, of his career. Right. right. To, to have Orson Welles say, this is the formative experience of my, of our political lives. And I suppose that you're saying, well, well, world war two was less controversial. I would imagine so. Right. I know there was a lot of controversy about the United States entering the war, right? Especially prior to, you know, Pearl Harbor, obviously, right? Why is he saying it was the most definitive political hot point of that Hollywood generation, right? And I'm not sure as to what what his reasoning was. I'm not saying it's invalid. I just don't know what it is. Right. Right. I mean, there's got to be a reason why. I just don't know. I don't know. How did we start this conversation? I don't know. I don't know. But it is, I mean, it is interesting, but it is one of those things that we could go totally down a rabbit hole of opinions and facts, and my facts are not going to be near as good as yours because you've done research and I've not, (laughs) right? Um, But it's also one of those things that I find it interesting because there is this thought in my head that I've carried around that I reject the notion of Hollywood being a microcosm of the United States. I find that to be a very unique world. It's kind of like professional sporting athletes. A lot of people like to correlate activities of the business with you know the rest of the united states and see it's just a a symbol of that and i i I tend to disagree because it is such a insular you know society right where the numbers are so small and the outside forces don't have near as much influence that i could see it being very dramatically different in the case of orson wells and frank sinatra and other individuals you said that, okay, the Spanish Civil War was a defining political moment. You know, I could see where it would be dramatically different for your average Joe, where it goes back to why are there no films? You know, there's no market. Why is there no market? Because the general populace's thoughts and experiences with that singular event are dramatically different than y'all's, for whatever reason. That's why I was curious what Orson Welles' reasoning was behind that statement. Yeah, he didn't go into into great detail. Yeah, and it's not one of those where I'm disputing it. Just because, you know, like I said, I didn't do the research because I wasn't expecting this conversation. And even if I was, there's no guarantee I'd do the research because I'm inherently lazy. So there's this fantastic podcast episode on Smodcast. I, I want to, it's definitely in the, in the first hundred episodes, it may be in the first 50 and it's called the pretty good worker. Mm-hmm. And it is one of the most hysterical episodes I've ever heard. And it's, it's, this was when Kevin Smith was still fat, I presume. He, right. <laughs> okay. Remember when Kevin Smith was fat? Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> Is there a correlation between Kevin Smith's weight and my appeal with his work and opinions? I think the answer is yes. <laughs> so when he was fatter, he was making good stuff. I preferred it. I wouldn't say it was better. I would. I like it more. But you know, skinny Kevin Smith is not so compelling to me. The He Man years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and although I never saw it, you know. So everything that I've read about it, I recognize as being tainted with a specific you know, political, if you will, objective. It's like, so I have no idea if the criticisms are valid or not, because frankly, I never cared about He-Man when He-Man was He-Man. He-Man. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like one of those, that didn't affect me. but I had listened to the few of the podcasts and I find 
his passions to be less something I'm interested in. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in the late 90s, early 2000s, his passions, even though they were frivolous and silly, were things that I could at least correlate with myself, right? Sure. And the longer it goes and the less weight he has, it's just, okay, this doesn't mean that much to me. You know, it's just not as compelling. I didn't, I cannot believe it, but I haven't seen Clerks 3. Which is oh, something which yeah. which is something twenty years ago, if you'd have told me that, I wouldn't believe. Yeah. And right now it's not that I'm opposed to it, but I have no driving reason to see it. Mm. And I'm sure it's a tremendous movie. Maybe it's terrible, I don't know. But I've got very little interest in even exploring it, which is like again, not what I would have expected myself to say from twenty years ago. Yeah, it's kinda how I feel about Wonka, which is it's you know, it's not terrible, mm-hmm. but it's it it misses the mark and it could have been great. Right. And I, I'm sure as much as anything, this speaks more to us than those particular filmmakers. Yeah. Well, it, it goes back to what you were saying where you find the past more interesting. Oh yeah. yeah so certainly. is it one of those things where the stuff that's created now is just inherently less relevant to you because either a, I like what I like and that's what I like or B I've only got so many things to remember and I don't need to crowd up any more space in my brain or C some combination of the two. And it is one of those things where the older you get, the more conservative you get, right, by default. And I don't mean that from a political perspective necessarily, but from a – there is some point in most people's lives where it's like, okay, my cutoff for music that I like from a broad perspective is blah year. Movies are the same thing. Popular entertainment, political thought, opinions in general, unless there's major, major, major things that shift that perspective. An enormous cultural impact. Right. Something that's undeniable, right? Like Taylor Swift, who's number 10 on the box office. Oh, my God, yes. But it's one of those things where that's one of the few individuals these days that I could see having that kind of leverage on the general population and their perspective on popular culture. I was interested. You said you got the the trial. Yes. The Criterion Edition. And I haven't seen it. It is one of those that's on my wish list. I didn't pick it up. Did you like? I think I saw a really shitty version of the trial on VHS, I want to say, in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. And I don't know remember where I got it. But back then, of course, you know, copies of Wells's non-Hollywood work were really hard to find. And they were usually pushed out by independents or really small people who had small licensing agreements with European distributors. And probably terrible masters. And, and... They, were, they were horrible. Um, the first time I, th- I saw Othello was, was on a VHS tape, and the music and the dubbing was shit. So so bad it kind of... It was horrible. It, it captured your focus. Yeah, and I remember the second time I saw it was actually uh, you and Nicole gave me Othello on Criterion Laserdisc. Right. And I watched that, and it was a relevatory experience. It Just was, because it didn't suck that much. <laughs> it was it was amazing. It really was. And, you know, I just watched that a couple of weeks ago with I Luke. I saw that. Yeah, and that was Luke's first Shakespeare film. Hmm. And he was his first Shakespeare film, really? Yes, he hates Shakespeare. I'm sorry, I'm making faces. Just <laughs> well, it's one of those things where Shakespeare is so universal and there's a reason why he's universal right it's not because everybody's told you how good he is it's kind of like citizen kane right there's a reason why these things are recognized and celebrated because they are fairly exceptional i understand where you know the um presentation may put you off right but i find most of his stories that i've read or seen 
to be so universal, it's hard to hate, right? Well, I just think it's a language barrier. Yeah, but, like, have you shown him Richard III with Ian McKellen? No. That's something you should probably show him, because I, even though the language is very true to the text, at least that's my recollection, it's just presented so, you know, modernly, if you will, even though it's a film that's said in, what, the 19, late 30s, I believe? Yeah. But it is one of those things where there's such a, it's such, he created so many tropes, or if he didn't create them, he is the one link we have to those tropes existing from that time. You know, tropes are not inherently bad. No. Right, so I'm just kind of surprised. I mean, yeah, the language thing I get, but still at the same time, I've seen so many visual presentations, and if you see Shakespeare live, it's such a different experience than reading on the page. The pages can be pretty rough to get through, right? Yeah. But when it's performed, it's such a dramatically different thing. It's like the uh, the Kenneth Branagh Hamlet. What is it? Four hours? Yeah, yeah. It, it is a haul, but it is one of those things where it's just to me, it's inherently compelling because the performances and everything. You just okay you, if you buy in. Well, everybody in the world is in that. Like, Jack Lemmon is in that. Yeah, it's a significant production. And, and pulls off, like, an amazing performance. For yeah. the, You're like, Jack Lemmon, Shakespeare. Holy shit, it's great. Yeah, and it's one of those things where that's one of those films where I'm really surprised. And it may exist, and I just haven't seen it. There's, like, not some kind of lovingly curated boutique version of. Of Hamlet? Yeah, of that. Bronner's that, Hamlet? That Bron- and maybe it does exist, and I haven't seen it. Well, I thought you had it on Laserdisc. I do, but it's, that's, I'm, I'm sure there are Blu-ray presentations, but I don't. I've not seen it. It really hasn't made a cultural impact, right? Yeah, I have it on the Laserdisc. Well, I think it also, like, I, th- I think that's 95 that that came out. Right, which is, what, 10 years ago? That's a joke, <laughs> obviously. Well, what I was saying was uh, Gibson's Hamlet was about 90, if I remember correctly, and I think it just came too soon. Yeah, that that could be. That could be. And, and I but love... it's not like I find Gibson's Hamlet to be prevalent in the American, or the consciousness. It, I don't. It, not now. Now nowadays, Maybe no. But I think in the nineties it was. I like I think a lot of people were amazed that that Riggs did mm-hmm. Shakespeare, and uh, what is her name? Was it Julia Ormond or Helena Bonham Carter who played uh, Ophelia? I think it was Helena I, Bonham I Carter. I honestly can't remember. It may it, be. It was fucking amazing. And Ian Holm played Polonius, and that whole end, the whole fight in the courtyard the finale was glenn close uh, played the queen I remember glenn close being in it yeah it was so sh- like i remember being in the theater and watching that and just thinking just this is i think that's what got me into shakespeare did did gibson direct that one no i don't think so i don't believe so okay and they shot it in scotland because it was the only castle available or whatever <laughs> you know that looked like you know right that century denmark so on and so forth From Franco Zeffirelli, the acclaimed director of Romeo and Juliet, Mel Gibson, Glenn Close, Alan Bates, Paul Schofield, Ian Holm, Helena Bonham Carter, in Hamlet, the story of a king's death, a ghost's revelation, my uncle, a brother's ambition, a queen's passion. Have you forgotten me? No, by the root, not so. You are the queen. Your husband's brother's wife, and would it were not so, you are my mother. A father's suspicion. A daughter's honor. What should such fellows as I do, crawling between earth and heaven, believe none of us? A son's revenge. Now could I drink hot blood.
man must choose whether to forgive or to avenge, to love, to hate, to live, to die, to be or not to be. Hamlet, the extraordinary telling of a classic tale. So back to the pretty good worker. Oh, yes. yes, yes, yes which yes. is the podcast episode that. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. It's funny because, of course, like Smith is just getting extraordinarily high. Scott Mosier is sitting right next to him and he's basically getting secondhand high. Okay. And so it's a really it's a dull episode. Contact high. Yeah. yeah. And and I recommend anyone who has the ability on their podcast app to up the speed, maybe by 0. 0.2 or 0.4. <laughs> Because there is a lot of draws, but he's talking about just how, how did Helen Keller learn? How did Ann Sullivan teach? How did, how did you do blah, 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 mm. blah, blah, blah. And of course the play and the movie that is based on the play of Ann Sullivan is called The Miracle, the Miracle Worker, Worker. Yeah. Right. Uh, which if I remember correctly came out in the late fifties, early sixties. It's right. black and white. And it was, it was again, like one of these things that was shot for 200 to $300,000 and, and was a hit. Like... This is the true story of a modern miracle. The miracle of a child who was deaf, dumb, and blind. This child grew into a woman and is alive today. Beloved and respected throughout the world, her name is Helen Keller. This is her story, and the story of the woman who gave her a voice. E G T. Egg. It has a name. The name stands for the thing. Helen, the chick has to come out of its shell sometime. Starring Patty Duke as Helen Keller. Anne Bancroft as Annie Sullivan, The Miracle Worker. Oh. Imitate now. Mm. Understand later. End of the first lesson. Oh, you good old wretch. Here is a film that is more than an entertainment. It is a genuine, deeply moving experience. Starring Patty Duke, Victor Jory, and Anne Bancroft as The Miracle Worker. A huge hit in the theater. Like, it wasn't, like, Jaws money, but it was enormously successful in terms of what they spent on it. And then it played on TV for forever, forever, which is where I saw it. 
And of course, uh, when you were in school, a lot of people um, played it in English class in seventh and eighth grade. Anyway, Smith goes through this whole, I don't understand this. How did this all work? Blah, 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 blah. And of course, he's just high off the cat. And then, of course, at the end of the episode is the punchline, which is just everything that, that, that the woman did to teach this poor girl just seems so, seems so amazing. And Mosier has the punchline. Well, I guess, I guess that's why it's not called the pretty good worker. <laughs> he was waiting for an hour and a half and it landed still. That's so, tremendous. So of course Smith like loses it to the point where they can't continue anymore. And then they close the episode. And so that's why the episode is called The Pretty Good Worker. So the very <laughs> next funny. episode, they funny. spend the entire opening of the episode, the first five minutes, talking about, okay, we have been encouraged by our audience to at least read Wikipedia first before we go on this hour conversation <laughs> yeah. about – so that's how I'm feeling now about uh, movies about the Spanish Civil War. Gotcha. Okay. It does come back and you landed it. <laughs> I'm going to cross that one out. Yeah, pretty good worker is taken care of. Yeah, that's actually pretty funny. That's a pretty good correlation. All right. Should we start with uh, 2023? Oh, certainly. Really quickly going over the, the highest grossing movies. Yes. Uh, I'm sure everyone realizes that Barbie is number one. It is the highest grossing movie uh, directed by a woman in history. It is the highest grossing movie not adjusted for inflation from Warner Brothers. It pulled in to this day $636 million domestically. And it's over a billion in gross. And it cleared the, the second movie, the Super Mario Brothers movie, $140 million. So I saw Barbie. You saw Barbie. Yeah, I saw Barbie. I found the political kickback way too hard. What do you mean political kickback? Well, just clear. how uh, fuck Barbie, that whole movement, which was very... There were there I don't was remember that being there was a thing. conservative reaction to it, which I thought was, dude, this is just a movie. Well, it, it is was, just a movie, right? But I also didn't like Barbie too much. I thought it was really, I I didn't dig it. Yeah. Um, the thing that I was surprised about, or happy about, or both, I guess, is I went to go see it with my wife, who also didn't terribly dig it. You know, she was like, okay, that's. It, it just wasn't for her. Maybe we're just old. Yeah, my, my wife didn't like it either. My son didn't like it. My daughter didn't like it. Like, it just seems... No, I thought that... It was okay. Yeah, I, I mean, there were elements that I thought were really entertaining. I mean, Margot Rob, Robbie is pretty consistently she's, tremendous. She's she an really amazing is. actress, yeah. And Ryan Gosling is... I didn't think the Kane character was as good as I'd read quite a bit, but I thought his performance as it was quite endearing. Mm -hmm. The remainder of it, I can't really remember all that clearly it didn't make much of an impact on me no and it was one of those where there were some things i found really annoying you know i thought the uh the uh america what i, I don't know the actress's name america what's her name uh, america um uh, yes i don't know we're butchering it i'm sure and that, no i think that's right i mean i found that monologue that i did see celebrated in quite a few um posts pieces that i thought was like okay we're this is dumb because what we're doing is we're blasting your head over the text and it's not like the subtext in barbie was all that deep yeah but i mean just okay now we are really going to tell you what we what the point is and i thought this is oh God, this is i'm glad i'm so stupid that you have to explain it to me <laughs> right and let's not talk about the contents of the speech just the fact that that was in there i found to be very odd it didn't need it and i was like i don't know why this is here are you expecting people to stand up and cheer in the middle of the film which is the only thing i can think of 
right? It, it's like we're expecting a Captain America picking up Captain America picking up Thor's hammer reaction from the audience. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, you're just banging us over the head with the obvious. So I don't know. It also could be. I'm trying to remember Greta Gerwig's other films. I have not seen. Well, she a did ton Little of, Women. Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't, I, I didn't I see that. Yeah, and I didn't see uh, the other one. That uh, I think this is the only film of hers that I found. But I, I understand, and I can see in Barbie that she's a, a brilliant director. She appears to be good. Very yeah. good. I mean, she yeah. knows what she's doing. Yeah, but she, this one just did not connect good. with me, and I, I right. think that might be just a generation thing. It could be a generation thing, or maybe you didn't play with Barbies, or maybe it's just. It it may be in some regards, and I may be way off base, where it's kind of like Avatar, where it's like it's a moment in the moment, but doesn't really extend beyond that. Right, right. Or Titanic. Maybe I'm totally wrong. No, Titanic certainly had a cultural impact. It did. Yeah. But Avatar really did not. No, and it still is the highest earning movie of all time. Right. But I do wonder, you know, is Barbie just one of those things where it, because of the parts that did work, I didn't, I didn't hate it by any stretch of the imagination. I thought it was good. Right. So, well, well in, in time will tell, like we talked about this before. Sometimes we go back to 1954 and we see like this movie was the number one earner that year. Right. Like, it's like who remembers that movie now? Exactly. Nobody it made no impact. Right. Yeah. I'm, so who knows? I'm halfway through this movie now, which I think is 1940. It's called Stardust. And there's nobody in it that I recognize. And it's, it's taken me a while to get through it. And it's only like an hour and 28 minutes, but it's. It's, and it's taking you a while to get through it's, it? Yeah, it is. It's re- really slow acting. But apparently, like, this this movie was hot shit the summer of Citizen Kane. Like, the, a lot of people went out to go see it. Right. Okay. But it the cultural impact, you know, probably didn't last past 1945. Hmm. So, anyway. So, uh, we had Barbie, the Super, Bar- Super Mario Brothers movie. Didn't see. Did you see it? No. Okay. Well, I guess we have nothing to say. We were the people, the odd people out. Uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I... No, you love that movie. It is is amazing. And you saw it three times. I did in the theater. And and then I saw it here at home when we, when my daughter got the Blu-ray. My daughter went out and spent her own money to buy the Blu-ray and bring back and now has in her room. I that that well, it's funny cuz that, that that it definitely spoke to like my son who's a very similar age, right? Yeah, yeah. And I don't know why this one specifically kind of left me cold. Really? Yeah, I was, I I was not. My family did not love me when my thoughts were like, I thought it was okay, like not that great. So I know I'm in the minority, and I don't exactly. I need to watch it again because I thought the first one was excellent. I really enjoyed the first one. Yeah, yeah, I loved the first one. But yeah. I, I did think this one was. I felt it was very much a sequelitis, right? It's like it's too much. There's things happening, and I don't care about any of the characters. Some of the stuff was kind of clever. Some of it was actually pretty darn clever, but for the most part, it just left me cold, and I don't know why. It may be one of those things where it's like, okay, I heard so much about it that when I saw it, I had built it up in my brain to be something that it was never going to be. I don't know, so I need to see it again. But yeah, people were not happy. I was like, that's okay. It's not great. Well, the the first act, which covers Spider-Gwen, I just thought was brilliantly handled. Um, the switch to the second act is the fight in the Guggenheim Museum, mm-hmm. in which, you know, a pregnant um, black exploitation character from the 1970s right. is riding a, a motorcycle. And for me, at the time in the theater, I thought, this is a bit too much. Right. Like this... This is going way over the top. And the third act I had absolutely no problem with. I thought it was perfect. It's just that second act I thought was a little bit long for, I mean, this is a movie that's over two hours, yes. an animation movie over two hours. 
that's the whole movie. The whole movie is over the top. The whole it movie is. is. So it, it might be what you say. It's still a bit too much for everything. It, it, it may just be one of those things where it just pummeled me. You know, like we are going to be over the top for two and a half hours. Now, the artistry was really good. It was amazing. I mean, no complaints about any of the technical stuff, right? And I do like the primary characters, Miles Morales and Gwen Stacy, at least in this version. I mean, and I find them charming characters and focusing on them is always good. But there was just so much extraneous nonsense. I didn't care about the punk rock Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, Hobie. I found that character incredibly <laughs> annoying. And I was definitely in the minority in my family. Everybody's like, oh, that guy was great. I was like, oh, I thought he kind of sucked. Um, you know, so I know that there are those things where either for whatever reason I wasn't in the mood or I just have a very maybe unique perspective. It's like, hey, it didn't work for me. I don't know. But well, I, I, know you, it, I know you'd seen it at least three times. Yeah, I think I've seen it three, four times. And, and uh, I think that if you... If you watch multiple times, those things that that hit you wrong, that landed wrong to begin with, mm -hmm. they might lessen their impact. Very, very possible. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'm not opposed to watching it again and changing my mind. Mm -hmm. I, I, I also think that every every frame of that movie seems like an art piece. Oh, yeah. It was and, and exceptionally the, well done. I have yeah. no criticism about any of that. Yeah. Oh, no, not at all. And I, I think that that – I think the film is so visceral. Mm-hmm. That when you see something that doesn't land particularly right, the visceral experience, um, it can it can it can hit you wrong. Sure, and it can emphasize the things that you really like, mm -hmm. and it can emphasize the things that are you you maybe don't like. Yeah, you're lukewarm on it best. Yeah. Right, but I think that with repetitive screenings, it it could get better and better. It's very possible. Like I said, I'm not opposed to it. I'm, it's just one of those that even more so than Barbie, I was just kind of baffled by the adoration i'm like oh, no, i thought it was okay it's it's uh of course it could be one of those things where again going back to your original thing it's like oh i'm old and i'm less interested in the new stuff possibly possibly i mean i i think that's definitely possible because we can get back to that we can put a pin in that one <laughs> okay continue hold the new stuff okay next one guardians of the galaxy volume three uh pretty good kind of manipulative <laughs> you know <laughs> i was kind of torn between being irritated by the manipulation and I mean was satisfied it, by the wasn't Yondu in volume two manipulated? Yeah, but there's a big difference between that and here are small cute animals that we're going to torture. Oh uh, yeah yeah yeah. You know, and it's one of those things that like, okay, this is done so blatantly for what purpose? There's a lot of reason, obviously, right? It's this metaphor for building a new family and trauma, which is the most overdone thing in the past five years here's my trauma right for my motivation but it was just there was so much effort put into cute animal bad thing feel bad that is effective i mean yeah it, it, it was effective that's why i was kind of frustrated it's like yeah, you're just being manipulative and it's working but you know unfortunately the first one and second one, I remember a lot better because the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, with the notable exception of that, which was, like I said, it's effective. You know, I don't have strong memories of. You know, I thought that they probably should have done some things differently, but I, I don't. Well, also, let's face it, we're kind of at a weird spot with the Marvel. Oh, MCU. yeah, for sure. And what's it going to do? For sure. Right? Yeah. So I think I'm the only person on Letterboxd. Who gave the Marvels a four star? I, that apparently is effing terrible. Yeah, the, apparently people hate it. I mean, you're uncommon. I have not seen it, so I have no mm -hmm. opinions. 
But about the only thing I've seen consistently is that is it Miss Ms. Marvel? The young Yeah, Ms. Marvel, yeah. Kamala Khan. That one yeah. appears to be like universally adored as a character in a performance. Yeah, the T V show was amazing. I didn't see it. Yeah. Oh yeah, you should you should give that a shot. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not opposed to it, I just haven't. I really it's got its own style and its own form and its own uh shooting just everything know. about it is everything about it is highly original as you won't find another it's kind of like when loki came out and loki's got its own visual style mm-hmm. and its own color palette and its own everything and so it's actually got some personality yeah exactly but yeah. I, I i've kind of gotten the sense that universally she is the thing that works and everything else just doesn't but i've not seen it yeah. so i don't know yeah uh no you well i think that you should give the marvels a shot just because i think that it's it's a good movie i think it's getting dogged and I, I don't understand why it didn't didn't succeed. I, I understand that people's problems with uh, with Captain Marvel because I, I rewatched Captain Marvel about a week before we went to it. And I saw Captain Marvel I think four or five times in a the theater. Oh wow! And, and I've seen it uh, three or four times on Blu-ray. I saw it the one time in the theater. Yeah, and there were I mean there were definitely moments where it was lagging. I was like, oh well, yeah, this this is really lagging, and I don't remember this being that um, so slow the first time around. I didn't see any of that in the Marvels. And there's a lot of comedy in the Marvels that I thought was was done really well. And Brie Larson is not known for, like, carrying comedy, particularly no, with that character. She doesn't appear to have a lot of charisma. But I mean. On that, on that front, yeah. But I, I don't But I, I thought it was, it was done extremely well. I thought that um, the character that a lot of people couldn't connect with actually wasn't, wasn't Carol Danvers. It was uh, Captain Rambo. Right. And I, I think there was, I mean, there was a lot of confusion for me because. Well, I think that's probably a lot to do with the fact that if you didn't watch the Scarlet Witch TV show, what's your exposure with this character and her motivations? And I, I, I've, again, not seen it, so I don't know. Well, that and apparently she's in the one that nobody watched, the one with Samuel L. Jackson on Disney. like the Yeah, The Secret Wars? The Secret Wars, yeah. Nobody like like the that. lowest rated series on Disney Plus ever. Like yeah. nobody watched And she's in that. So if you skipped that and you went to the Marvels, you're like, who is this person? Right. And and I remember leaving the theater like, oh, like she was in the hospital when the blip was over. Yeah. And people just suddenly were popping up again. And she popped up into the hospital room where her mother died of cancer. So she wasn't there when her mother. So it, it goes back to that trauma. But it took me hours to re- remember after the movie. Oh, that was that character. Right. And I think I'm wrong. I don't think it was Scarlet Witch. I think I was mistaken on that. I think there is a show or something. And maybe it is the Secret Wars. But I. But I think she was in in the Scarlet Witch. Oh yeah, and, yeah, and yeah was, she was. She and was, that was, was a that was a great show. I really enjoyed that one. It. I liked quite a bit. Yeah, especially the Bewitched episode. I thought that was just yeah, that oh was actually a very clever show. God, that was brilliantly done. Aside from the last episode, I thought the show was tremendous. I was actually disappointed when when the the second episode it goes into color. I was like, I was kind of hoping the whole series would be black and white. Yeah, it was kind of a jarring thing. But over the course of this show, it's like, oh, okay, there's a reason, and I get it. Yeah, and they were and they were changing the color palette mm-hmm. each episode, so no, it I just thought... changed like from the from the the sixties to the seventies color palette, like the Jeffersons right. in the eighties. I thought that was really well done. Yeah, that was a good show. Yeah. That was a pretty good show. Okay, so okay. Uh, slipping on to the big one. What's that? Oppenheimer. Yeah, I didn't see it. It's so embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I was lucky enough to be invited onto the. Film is lit podcast to okay, talk about yeah, Oppenheimer for. I did listen to that. Actually. Uh, how how did I do? You did fine. You always do fine. Luckily, they they're really good at editing over there. Well, yeah. Those I like those guys, Danny and Laura. They're nice people. Shout out! Shout out to to Film is Lit. 
Yeah, but I, 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 it's one. I can't. It's one. I don't have any excuse. As I, I can't believe you. I, I watched it in seventy millimeter and it just blew me out of the seat. It was amazing. I, I think it was just one of those things where I just never found the time, and it's also one of those where. You You've know, got a problem with time, my friend. You've got a big problem with time. Apparently. But uh, it's also one of those where finding someone to go with, with notable exception to you, would have been more challenging. It's like, hey, Nicole, you want to go check this out? What's about? It's about the guy who made the bomb. Well, that sounds exciting. It's like, <laughs> eh. And also, unfortunately, because it prejudices me against it, was I'm fairly lukewarm on Nolan in general. What? Yeah, I'm, I'm fairly lukewarm on him. Shocking. Are you mocking me or are you serious? I thought you knew no. I'm, I'm I'm serious. Like Nolan is generally speaking a very cross. Yeah, I cultural most most of the films nerds his, and pop. Yeah, most of the films I've seen of his made me walk away. Just it just doesn't work for me. I couldn't I couldn't definitively say why. Tell me more, McLovin. <laughs> as as I get another beer. <laughs> well, Interstellar is a really good example of something that had tremendous popular. You know, acclaim. And I remember seeing it as being kind of underwhelmed. I mean, I certainly appreciated it, right? From a, okay, this is an original story. Of course, this was before IP took over everything. But it was like, okay, I appreciate that. But it's, I didn't find it half as clever as I thought it was. Okay. And, you know, Tenant, I'm very torn on. I, don't oh, that. you hate Tenet. I don't know if I hate it. It's one of those things where I find it a real problem to criticize because it's like I absolutely positively enjoy that he's getting lots of money to make original films that are for adults, right? So I am very glad that that's happening. It's kind of like my thoughts on Ridley Scott, regardless of my personal feelings on any specific film. I'm really glad this is being allowed to happen. Oh, yeah. Right? And... I haven't seen Batman Begins in a very long time, right? But the second one has got a exceptional performance and some really well-staged sequences, but I think it's overrated. The third one I didn't like at all. You think The Dark Knight is overrated? Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely, it, to me, it's overrated, right? It, it depends on where you're placing it in the pantheon right because when it was when it was out for the two years after it there were a lot of folks who really had it as a top 10 movie of all time which i think is kind of absurd but at the same time it's like my top 10 is certainly absurd whatever top that is. top 10 might be absurd i'm using a hyperbole I, I, yeah right? yeah i understand yeah i could say top top 25 I, top that, 50. that movie was why not not necessarily the only reason why but it was a big part of the reason why the academy awards went from five films to 10 isn't it yeah, because people were upset that it wasn't nominated. Yeah, and I, I think I, I think I wrote somewhere. I don't remember if it was a review online or whatever about how we need to. And the Academy tried to do this; they need to separate Best Picture from Grand Prix. Right. And I remember we talked about. It. I thought it was a very good idea. They, of course, did the call-in thing or the internet thing, where then everybody voted for the Zack Snyder movie because the internet terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Zack Snyder. Yeah, Zack Snyder. It's like I do like I do like Chris Nolan a lot more than Zack Snyder. I mean, that doesn't that's not huge praise, but Rebel Moon has I have not seen it, but it has not impressed me. It has not made a huge impact on the critical mass. But 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 Christopher Nolan. I mean, aside from Memento, 
for whatever reason. It just doesn't work for me. You didn't like Insomnia? It was okay. It was good. I like the original better. The original, the original one has a harder the, punch. And that's the other thing is I'm not saying the, these these movies are not terrible by any stretch of the imagination. I I don't think they suck, mm. right? It's just it's it's not connecting with me for whatever reason. It, it's it's more of a me problem than it is a Christopher Nolan problem because he's he's having the best life. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I I thought it was a real power move about how how Warner Brothers said, okay, well, we're just moving everything into into streaming as a debut, and Nolan was like, fuck you, I'm going oh, to Paramount. Yeah, yeah, I am, aligned, Par- I am aligned with Christopher Nolan's thoughts and processes on the business. I understood his insistence on Tenet going to the theaters, even though economically it was a terrible decision. Oh, yes, absolutely. But I, I, I get it, and I don't disagree with any of those things. He's like, yep, I, I get it, makes sense to me, I appreciate it, but it's just, so it is one of those that, when a, when a Christopher Nolan movie comes out, I'm not compelled in the same way like a Scorsese film. It's like, I'm going to go see that, you know, or well, a Fincher. Well, the, the big rumors are on the street. Well, one's not a rumor. One's like Variety ran a ran a front page uh, <clears throat> story, excuse me, about how they are trying to court him back. Who, Warner Brothers? Um, yeah. Th- who did I say? No, I, I want to make sure I heard correctly. Yeah. Uh, yes. he, like, Oppenheimer was Universal, I think. Yes. He took it to Universal after right. he walked out of out of Warner Brothers, but so Warner Brothers wants him back, and so they're actively campaigning to get him back. Which, I mean, he's possibly the most important contemporary filmmaker right now. At least in in terms of box office, I believe that that is so. That's probably right. Right. I mean, know? Tarantino, I think to me, will never lose his apex. He's always going to make a hundred million dollars every movie he puts out. Is fine. always right. But and, he's, his movies are also going to not going to cost one hundred twenty-five. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's either it's got to be Nolan or, or Cameron. Yeah, I, the most important. But, yeah, I would I would say from so. From a business perspective. From a business perspective, yeah, I would say that. Because um, the Disney situation doesn't count because there's just too many different people doing different things. Like 10 years ago, it would have been Favreau, you know, something of that nature. Sure, sure, right? sure. But sure. That's, I, I, that was never going to hold. No. Even though he's still still bringing it in with, the, you know, the, the Lion King, which nobody liked but made a lot of money, et cetera, oh, yeah. et cetera. But anyway, I read an article on Variety where Warner Brothers was like, look, we want you. They, they went through a management change, and they're trying to court him back. Mm-hmm. And they're very open about it. Like, we will do anything. They've even gone to Variety and saying, we will do anything to get Here's him back. Here's your blank check. Come now, on. I believe that his next movie has to be with Paramount. Okay. Um, because he signed a contract to do it uh, because uh, the Oppenheimer thing went very well. Oh, it did quite well. Right. However, yeah, well, it's number five at Universal for $326 uh, million domestic. And then, of course, it's over a billion if you count in global. Okay. However, the the rumors on the interwebs, which cannot be confirmed nor denied, is okay. that he has spent a lot of time in London talking to Eon Productions. Okay. And the the rumor, the extended rumor, which no one can confirm or deny, we can just talk out of our ass here. A Bond movie is that he is trying to set up a one time trilogy of one Bond for three movies, where he is going to do like a like a Batman Begins, sure. Dark Knight, and and What's the last one that everyone hates? The uh, Dark, Knight Dark Knight Rises, Rises, right? He's going to do a one, two, three with one bond, and that'll be it. It'll be over. And he's going to shoot them basically all at the why. same time. I mean, he must really love the character. Well, I I don't know what he has to say. Well, he he enjoys the character. I think he, he likes skipping genres. Sure. He just did. He just did the biography movie. You know. Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a, he does not make the same movie twice. No, at least and, not from a genre. So I don't know why he would do it. Like he did Tenet. Tenet was kind of like a Bond movie. It's similar. Yeah, it's, it, it could have been a Bond movie for sure. Yeah, 
and I don't know weeks. where he's going to go with it. Like they, they've already, they already know who the next bond is. They're just waiting to pull the trigger. They're, they're just waiting to announce something big. And I think they're, they're waiting to sign a director and get like a plan in place before they just announce the star. Okay. And I have no idea that like Aaron Taylor Johnson is the, is the big, I'd heard the name. So I, I, I don't know though. You don't know him personally no, from no, no, his no. films. No, or... I, I mean, just like you, I have no idea what's legitimate and what's not. I've heard the same thing with Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah, being from Bullet Train, right? Being the front runner of the Godzilla movie, or you know, but I. Oh I, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was but I, I don't know, right? Or Quicksilver. Yeah, he was Quicksilver in uh, <laughs> Captain America: Civil War. Um, no, or no, no, the, the third uh, one, the the Avengers: Age yeah. of Ultron. LG, that's right. That's right. But, yeah, but that's unimportant. That's not important right now. It's That's not like, important right now. Kind of like airplane. That's right. Surely you can't be serious. Excuse me, sir. There's been a little problem in the cockpit. The cockpit? What is it? It's the little room in the front of the plane where the pilots sit. That's not important right now. Okay, number six, Little Mermaid. Didn't see. I didn't see it either, and I will tell you that my wife and my daughter and my son went to see it, and they fucking hated it. Oh, really? Yes. And they are Disney people. Is that why they hated it? No. No, they they actually went with an open mind, and I understand that um, the star of that show, whose name escapes me, and I apologize for saying, I think she's a very talented Haley individual. Something. Yeah, and yeah. and apparently, uh, when I mean, they did like a casting call, and they looked at five hundred people, and the minute she opened her mouth and sang, they were Disney was like, she has to be in this movie. I, I'm sure she's very gifted. I mean, I, I would imagine I mean, you would have me, to be. You would have to. Oh be. yeah, yeah, yeah. But my my thing is, I, I don't know why they're doing this. Why are we remaking? That I think that's, is that's the problem. problem. Like, that is the you're problem. You're not going to improve it. Create another vehicle for yeah. this talented individual yeah. to sell to us. I mean, Lord knows, and except for the past five years, Disney, maybe not even five years, three years, Disney will make money no matter what. Yeah, and yeah, they've yeah. usually been pretty darn good at creating contemporary classics. So remaking, yeah, why are you getting rid of contemporary classics? Yeah, Frozen was original, and it was such a hit. It did quite well. But it is one of those. But yeah, I didn't have any interest in seeing. It. It's like oh, I've seen the Little Mermaid. I've got my Little Mermaid, and I don't. It's like I don't get it. What, there's no appeal to me. Have but, you been to Epcot? Yes, but it's been many a year. Yeah, I went to Epcot. They had a, like a Norwegian pavilion, mm-hmm. and then I don't know, ten years passed or whatever. But Frozen had come out. Okay, and so we went back to Epcot, and they were the Norwegian pavilion was a giant construction zone, and they said coming out in 2023 or whatever. Is going to be the 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 new Norwegian Pavilion, which is going to be basically like Frozen. It's, it's very awesome. Have our, yeah, it's, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's going to have a, a Olaf ride and all of that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm sure it'll be very successful. So after that was the outstandingly horrific Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. That was, you know, I think I reviewed it reasonably politely. So on did Firebox, I. But so I, did I. I've got no interest in ever seeing it again. And something tells me. It's probably worse than I gave it credit for. Out of out of every film that is made in a warehouse mm-hmm. with green walls, that, that was is, the biggest. That was the biggest and probably not the worst. No, the one where you were most aware that they were in yeah, a warehouse it, it was with absolutely very artificial, shockingly so. Like, people say that about uh, Ready Player One, but yeah, that's, I that's say no. Go watch Quantum Mate. Mm-hmm. That's got a topic. Have you seen it since? Yeah, I saw it here up in my Kino room, and I felt the same. Okay. Like, like it, it kind of like Wonka. Like, I didn't hate it. Right. 
but it could have been so i mean there were so many things in it that really recommend it you know michelle pfeiffer mm-hmm. michael douglas the 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 daughter situation after the blip like i've got a daughter that's the same age yeah, there's so components there that should work i really connect with mm-hmm. that i got a 16 year old daughter right now so i really really dig and you understand this because you've mm-hmm. got a daughter too just just as a as a father to daughter we're not i don't think that we're we're wired to connect with with people of the opposite sex who are children all the time. Right. And I I just, any type of connection I can make. And so I was really looking forward to doing this because mm-hmm. I love the Scott Lang and connection with his daughter. And this yeah, time it just didn't. No, it didn't really land. Didn't do it for me. Yeah. You know, but I like their, I like their chemistry, but I was hoping that chemistry would be the basis of the cell. Yeah, versus that, Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer which, going off and doing a subplot that doesn't matter. Which would have been fine if that was the movie. And that was one of the things I do remember disliking about it was, like, we are just going to throw everything at you. It's like, well, let's try a little bit of focus. There was no editing. John Wick Chapter 4, Lionsgate, $187 million domestic. Wow, but... talk about an investment that's worked out for this co- company. What? <laughs> Did just, you... the, just the John Wick. Did you practice. see it? Yeah, I saw it. And so what was your favorite sequence of that film? Oh, it was definitely the um, part in the apartment complex where they use the, what was the shotgun? The fire. Oh, yeah, where they had the bird's eye view yeah, going through the walls. That was really, I thought that was exceptionally well done. And that's something I watched and said, okay, I've not seen that before. An extended sequence in one shot, I had never seen anything. Yeah, I was like, okay, before. okay, I'm, I'm, I'm dialed into this. It was, uh, that was definitely my the part I walked away from saying, holy shit, because the whole movie is frankly, that's cool. I mean, it's a that's cool movie. It's like, what part did you think was cool? Oh, that part, I thought that was cool. If it's very Mad Max, like he has so few lines. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's, it's basically a silent movie. Yeah. I mean, but I, I, I enjoyed that. I didn't think it was as good as number one or number two, but that's okay. It doesn't mean it was terrible. I no. thought it was actually pretty darn good. The three set pieces that I found, of course, was the shotgun bird's eye view of mm-hmm. the apartment complex, and then, of course, there was the... Then that fucking insane fight scene in front of the Arctic the Triumph. Yeah. That part that part landed less successfully for me. Oh, because of because it was so obviously filled in. Well, it was that in the uh okay, so we all know that the John Wick franchise exists outside of any degree of real physics or things, but when people are getting smashed by the cars and flipping up and landing and then shooting, it's like, Okay, we're going a, one step too far, maybe five steps too far for me. So and, it, and it's so compact, like it takes place in a you know, mm-hmm. few hours or so forth. Right. And and then of course the staircase. The staircase which was is, pretty excellent. It, excellent. And now it's become like uh, what do you call like a moving meme now mm-hmm. of people, this is my day on Monday or whatever. Yeah, I mean that one kind of it was one of those great gags that goes and goes and goes and you get sick of the gag, but it keeps going. And then you're kind of sick of it. And then it keeps going. And eventually you're starting to come back around because it's like, oh, okay, this is absurd. But, you know, entertain. I, I guess it's the last one, possibly. We'll, we'll I know see. there's going to be a spinoff movie that's coming out this next year, I believe. Uh, right. The, the Continental. Something like. No, no, not the television show, a movie. Oh. That'll, that'll be interesting. Yeah, I don't recall the but name. But not with him, with somebody else. I think he's got like a cameo, is allegedly okay. the story is. But I, I think it's. Like called the ballerina or something. Okay, like that? that that'll make sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, I saw Keanu Reeves uh, in concert a few months ago. Yeah, you said <laughs> with the go see Dog Star. Yeah, pretty entertaining. Yeah, it was. He could play a kick and bass. Like he is not bad. I, I I never thought of it 
is a vanity project, so I'm not surprised. No, he seems very passionate about wanting to do a very good job. He doesn't have a microphone. He's not like, hey, look at me. Right. It was he didn't say a word. He he waved twice when he picked up his bass, and then when he put his down his bass. That was it. And uh, the guy who plays guitar and play like they, I actually found it a very. I didn't own anything by Dogstar. I I went because I had heard that they were a good band, Mm -hmm. and of course it would be great to see a celebrity. Sure, just because. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Just because. Um, but you know, I found myself like pulled up the drummer is badass. So the next one is is the the famous Angel Studios Sound of Freedom movie, which pulled in 184 million. Apparently, quite. I mean, uh, you're talking about the ROI. I mean, boom, there you are. Yeah, and shocking, I've, shocking. And, and this one is very strange. I've not seen it, so I have no opinion, right? But as far as I can perceive, I don't like it from the perception. the The reaction to the movie seems to be 100 percent not what the movie is. Right, I, I understand that too. The, when it, I when find it, this really problematic. When it first came out, what it, what I was really amazed about was I don't remember what month it came out, but month after month it was still at Cinemark playing on oh, one yeah. screen. It did kick ass business. It did an amazing business, and in uh, other than like the very disturbing videos of Jim Caviezel online saying like QAnon shit, I haven't seen him. So <laughs> wait, but he's right. a, he's a movie actor. I mean, he's an actor he's who an act- really gives a shit about what yeah, actors who, think about anything. Richard Gerst. Stupid yeah, shit too. Like I, yeah. of, of all the people in film whose opinion I'm interested in hearing, actors are definitely <laughs> the lowest. I don't care what they have to say. That's why Brad Pitt says nothing. Right. He says great. <laughs> it's just, you know. But it is one of those where it, it did tremendously well. Mm. And there was, like I said, I didn't see it. So I've got no right. opinion. But I want to see it now because there was like this conservative narrative built around the film. Mm-hmm. And that obviously helped box office. It was very similar to what the Passion of the Christ did when they, they told all the churches, hey, you've sure, got to go but see it's, this. It's also one of those things where I, I can't give it the success based on that exclusively, right? Because I don't think so anymore, no. But it is one of those things where that seems to be kind of a default criticism of its success was like, oh, well, it was just marketing to this very select group of people that are freaks, and they went to go see it multiple times. But then there was the movie that just came out recently from, I believe, the same studio. What's it called? The, 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 it's about the multi-dimensional thing. Um, That's every movie nowadays, good point. especially from Disney. Good point. I can't remember the name of it, but it, it hasn't had the financial success. It hasn't and, had the same. And it doesn't matter, right? But it is one of those where I, I'm interested in seeing it just because it had such extended success. Not the immediate success, but the legs that it had, like you were referencing. Well, the the one that the thing that got me really interested in it was Alejandro Monteverde, the director. 
he went on to the DGA podcast. Mm-hmm. The, the DGA holds their own screening, and yes. then they invite directors. Like So every time you listen to the DGA podcast, you know that people like Scorsese are in the room right. who had seen the movie and people him like Spielberg and so forth. And and so when they clap and everything, you're like, wow, Quentin Tarantino might be clapping to this film. That interests me uh, really much. And they usually pair off the directors. Like there's a director interviewing a director. Right. As far as I've ever heard, it is always that. Right. It's 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 someone like Christopher Nolan, you know, um, speaking to Guillermo del Toro mm-hmm. about Pinocchio. Right. It's, it's something like really bizarre like that. It's unexpected, but very cool. And so he he was there and and he really broke down like, look, I don't have a political direction. I didn't make this movie out of a political leaning. I didn't look for conservative right. money. It's a, I'm not a religious fanatic. I was just making what I thought was a really good film. Right. So that's why I'm interested in seeing it because as far as I can perceive, if you don't tack on whatever you want to tack onto it, it appears to be a very solid little you know, it, film. Uh, I think that in the long run, people might attribute its early foothold. Sure. To that narrative. Right, but that's not going to last. Uh, no, I don't think that that's it like is. That's like a week, maybe two. Right. And then it's gone. Right. But it, no, it's, it'd be hanging Mira around. Sorvino is in this film. Oh, like, is she really? Yes. I had no idea. You know, well, doesn't that just like up the ante for you? Yeah, I'm more interested. Right? But it is one of those I, I'd like to check out just because, I mean, it doesn't mean it's any good. I'm not saying it, so I don't know. Right. But it was quite the, it's probably the most remarkable box off phenomenon of the top 10. Probably more so than Barbie. In terms of the ratio. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, number 10, I hesitate to say this. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be great. You and I got into, like, this weird fucking... Really? It wasn't a text war, maybe a text right. battle about the the attributes or non-attributes of, of Taylor Swift. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Who yes, came yes. in number 10. Yes, yes, yes. Who whose distributor was AMC and Cinemark Theaters. That yes. was the distributor of this film, the Eros Tour. I am not here to say anything negative about the ability of Taylor Swift to be creative and make money. Sure. That is a shocking statement it is. of a singular music artist's power to affect the artist. Yeah, cinema. she is absolutely a cultural force. Yes. I mean, so much so that I don't know the numbers by any stretch of the imagination, right? But she was – this her film was number 10, and I don't know where the Beyonce – Oh, yeah, the the Renaissance tour. Yeah, it's I, behind – I find that shocking that she's not making more than Taylor. Well, it's it, it, well, exactly. That's the thing. Is like, okay, my perception of popular culture is obviously flawed. Or 15 years too late. Yeah, it's like, okay, I, th- I would have sworn that Beyonce was – I would have anticipated it to be relatively equal. I assume you didn't see Taylor Swift the Eras. No, I did not. I didn't either. I didn't either. I don't expect you will see it. In, in January of 2023, Megan came out, and apparently that hit pretty big. That hit hard. Yeah, and that's another Blumhouse success. They are pretty clever. They're, they've got a remarkable – what was their first one? It was the one with Ethan Hawke, the Anarchy movie. Oh, the, uh, the Purge. The Purge. I think that was their first, like – huge hit and, and ever since been. then they they have not lost well, they've got money. a formula yeah and then of course there was a plane which we, we actually oh is that the gerard butler movie yeah that'll that's shock that'll that's way, actually way more entertaining than it should be yes way way better well there is an expectation versus you know delivery component that plays in a lot of this stuff right it's Certain. like the john wick movie i mean i saw it and i was like this is gonna suck but i've heard it's good and i saw it, i said holy fuck that was great the original. 
in February, there was the knock at the cabin, which I didn't see, but apparently uh, nobody saw. No, but I heard it's okay. I mean, that guy's an interesting, interesting filmmaker. You know, it's one of those where almost all of his uh, concepts are intriguing, but it doesn't land the plan all the time. Then Magic Mike's Last Dance, which my, my son went to go see because he's a, he's a huge Steven Soderbergh fan. You didn't see it, though? I did not. Ant-Man came out uh, Did that come out in February? Month. Yeah. Uh, Creed 3, I didn't see. That was March, I guess. We're getting Creed, Creed 3 had its moments. I, I saw that first Creed. David loved it. Yeah, yeah. It was he really good. He loved it. Yeah. I never saw Creed 2, and I didn't see Creed 3. I'm not opposed to him. I just hadn't seen him. And Michael B. Jordan directed the third one. I'd heard, and I, yeah. from what I understand, um, he is a huge dork. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I understand he's quite the dork. And a lot of Creed 3 is apparently influenced heavily by anime oh yeah i know so that was intriguing but yeah. i have not seen it. i'm not a big anime anime guy at all yeah but somebody who's going to be influenced it by it is like okay this is gonna be intriguing so i've heard that the fight scenes are not you know they're not raging bull level of i can't believe how well these are done but they are so distinctly different than most i've heard it's worth seeing for that influence i heard the movie isn't great mm. but good yeah, I think it but I, I understand that his vision and his application of his influences makes it really especially if you're into that, then you recognize it, which I, I, I wouldn't, but certainly recognize something different about it. So he may have a lot of promise just because it's a interesting vision. You're always interested in who is gonna be that next one that comes out of the the acting troupe to break yeah. it through and directing. Like Ben Affleck is is trying his best right now. I, I think, think he's done really quite make well. That, yeah, and I think he's doing a really good moderate success. Yeah, but I mean he's not Bradley Cooper. I think Bradley Cooper is another one of, of that same generation who's like apparently Maestro is apparently just Maestro is tremendous, shockingly good. I mean, I thought yeah. Starborn was great. Oh, that was shockingly good. I couldn't believe how good I enjoyed fucking that. good. Yeah. I couldn't believe how good that movie was. Okay, so then, from but, what I understand about yeah his success to go back to that, he's kind of like the high school quarterback that you're like going, oh, you're handsome. You're dating the hot girl. You drive a nice car. And he sits down next to you in math class and is like, oh, and you're nice, too. You're a dick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, oh, you're pleasant, too. Oh, my gosh. You're a kind person. No, apparently, Maestro is apparently excellent. I, I do want to see that. It's one of those on my list of, okay, this last quarter of 2023 movies that I haven't seen that I want to. But continue. I apologize. That's all right. Uh, Shazam, Fury of the Gods. No, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I, I I literally care not at all. Okay. Did you see it? Yeah, I went to go see it because I really liked the first Shazam. Didn't see it. Yeah, I like Black Adam too. Didn't see it. Yeah, which, I mean, I'm not saying that that universe doesn't have problems. They've got a lot of problems. But I, I particularly found the, the Black Adam film really compelling. But that's but I believe I, you. But I agree again. Like if you go on the Letterboxd, I'm the only one who you thinks that way. Be. You know, you might be. I mean, the only thing is I liked about the DCEU now that it's like I guess officially over was I thought the first Wonder Woman movie was really entertaining. I liked that movie quite a bit, and I thought Ben Affleck as Batman was actually better than anybody else thought. I may be on an island there. No, I think you're right there yeah, too. But like the Man of Steel, I thought was absolutely. Although I'm not. I'm, I mean, Robert Pattinson. 
That's as, that's different though, right? I'm, I'm thinking about exclusively this primary yes. DC EU yes. thing. Right. I remember seeing the first Aquaman. I wanted to run out of the theater. I was like, I am done. I don't want to be here anymore. And it went for another hour. I thought the Superman Man of Steel movie was just just drove me insane. I didn't like that movie. Aquaman was so bad. It Aquaman was, was unwatchable. My was... son loved it, and I was like, this movie sucked. <laughs> the fuck is wrong with David? He's so smart. But it is one of those where it's like, you know, you like what you like, and that's what you like. Yeah. Oh, my God. They, they're fucking running around the village to Roy Orbison. Yeah, it's like, I don't like, want to see that mystery ever again. girl. Or... <laughs> yeah. The first Wonder Woman was really good. Yeah, and the I, second I really, one was... That was terrible. Yeah. That was fucking terrible. Yeah. And again, potential. Yeah, good potential, yeah. yeah. And you had Patty Jenkins, who is a very, as far She's as very tell, capable. Very good yeah. And Gal Gadot is limited, but I find her good she can in do that, that. Role. Yeah. yeah. It's just one of those where it's like, oh, my God. And the one that I, I really wanted to see in March that I haven't seen yet is The the Boston Strangler, which is a Scott-free production. Don't know that at all. Yeah, Ridley Ridley Scott uh, produced that. And it's not a remake of the Tony Curtis film from the 60s. Okay. But, but apparently it's a, it's a different take on on that uh, unfortunate Yeah, I'm not familiar with Serial killer story. Yeah. At least not that iteration. Dungeons and Dragons. That punched through. That did really well. Um, I, I, I don't know why. I didn't like it. I didn't like it either. But, boy, it did well. I kind of got it, actually. I kind of got it, but I didn't like it. But I kind of got why it was successful. Kira Sedgwick directed a movie called Space Oddity. Oh, no shit. That I'm just seeing now here on Wikipedia. That did I star Kevin Bacon? Nothing It stars Kevin Bacon. Well, he's he's the last on the list. Okay. But it's a romantic comedy science fiction. Yeah, maybe fine. I've not seen it. I don't. Yeah. I've never heard of it. But I, I understand that she's a pretty good director, and she directed a lot of her own episodes and whatever that series was that she had forever. The closer. Oh yeah, that was yeah. That, that. That show was on forever. Yeah, and that's another one of those situations. Like it's you know season eleven, season season yeah, twelve. Yeah. You're like that show is still fucking yeah. on. It's like Grey's Anatomy. It's like who's yeah. still watching it? Apparently, twenty a lot of something years. Apparently, a lot of people. <laughs> I'm not just not one of those. A lot of people. Okay, moving into April. Superman out of the uh, Mario Brothers. Oh, Air. So Air is on my list of movies that I want to see, that I've yet to see, that I feel like when I do see it, I'll be either like, I don't get it, or like, yeah, that's a lot better than I would expect it. I heard it's quite good. I'm also getting the, the idea from the trailer, because this is directed by Ben Affleck, uh -huh. which you were just talking about. I'm, I'm getting the sense from Ben Affleck that he's kind of, I remember, again, going back to Orson Welles. Orson Welles has this great interview where, particularly during the trial, where he said, why did you play the, the advocate in the trial? And he said, well, I didn't want to play the advocate. I actually gave it to somebody else to play. And we shot for a few weeks, and that person had to go do another movie. So I just thought, well, it would just be easier if I played this role. I wouldn't have to pay that actor. It's economic. I just cut those scenes out. I can redo this shit all in a, in a, in a day. And it was just one of those expedient things. It's like, why did you play the, the heavy in Mr. Arcaden? Well, it was easier for me to play the heavy than it was to... There's a pragmatism. Right. And, and he doesn't actually... It's one of the reasons why uh, Wells, later in his life, he didn't actually go see his own films. Because he's in the trial and because he's in Mr. Arcaden. And he actually had no problem going to see films that he wasn't in. Yeah. I mean, that right? makes sense. Right. But he, he didn't particularly... Like, he's not in... Um, um, uh, fuck. He's not in a lot of the ones that he's credited in co-directing, like in Jane Eyre and things like that. He had no problem seeing those. Right. He didn't like watching Ambersons because it was cut to hell. Yeah. Right. And it really, really hurt him what they did to the movie. And never spoke to Robert Wise again, you know, unfortunately. 
but he didn't have a problem uh, doing any of the other the other stuff. But watching himself on screen, it was just like, I, I don't want to do that. But the only reason why he did it was to save money or the part became extraordinarily interesting to him. Right. Right. Particularly the Arkadin movie. But it wasn't, a, it wasn't an ego-driven thing. It wasn't an ego-driven thing. I'm getting that just, just from the trailers on air. I feel the same way about Ben Affleck. Like that's that character of playing – what's that guy's Phil name? Knight. Phil Knight. Yeah. Phil Knight. It, it just seems like he, he wanted to play that character, and that was that was a, a, a driving force for him, not directing himself in right. a film. Like, like a lot of – you know, conventionally handsome leading men, he actually is probably much better as a supporting character, right? Like the last duel, I was lukewarm on, but I thought he was quite good. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I suspect, and I haven't read, and I'm, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm totally off base, but the perception I got for his taking the lead role of Argo was primarily this was a way to get financing as opposed to the town, which I was like, okay, he feels very connected and he's the only person to do the job. Right. Or at least right. has the impression I'm under. It's like, okay, that's what I perceive his reasoning. To be. Maybe totally wrong. Argo was so good. His role Argo in Argo was, was really good. But, but I could absolutely positively see somebody else playing that role and it being just as good, if not better. Right? It's not like he did a bad job, but it no, wasn't no. as, it, it didn't strike me as critical to the town where if somebody else was the lead in the town, it'd be just inherently weird to me. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go with that. Did you see The Pope's Exorcist? No, I didn't see The Pope's Exorcist. Being Catholic and a fan of, you know, Gladiator, I didn't see it. I'm very sad. Did you? No, I did not. Did you see The Covenant? I don't even know what that is. That is a Guy Ritchie movie. Oh, is that the Guy Ritchie flick? With Jay Gyllenhaal? God, talk about was... a guy who, his success is so unpredictable and weird. Guy, guy Ritchie, I mean... It, He's definitely got a, a thing. He's a roller coaster, isn't he? He is. And, it, I mean, he will do – I mean, to a certain degree, he is – I really like him because it is like, I will do this, and I will do it the way I want. And he doesn't stop working. Thank God. You know, so many directors that I really enjoy their stuff of take so many years, right? And he is one of the few – I mean, he's at a Woody Allen pace. And there's a Guy <laughs> Ritchie movie a year. It's like he will not stop. I really enjoyed The Covenant. I thought it was I've really... Heard I've heard it's much better than you would expect. It's really timely. It really took us by surprise. It does have a dissex machina indie, which mm-hmm. you know, I'm willing to forgive it okay. for. Yeah. As long um, as it's well done, who cares? But it, I remember he, he had an interview where he was pushing that horrible Robin Hood movie that he did. That, yeah, I never saw that. Was it that, that terrible? I didn't see it. My son said it was unwatchable. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, Taron Egerton was in it, which is another actor that I like. But regardless of that, the, I remember the the person who was interviewing on a podcast was mm-hmm. talking about, uh, you know, is there anything like in a comic book universe that you would want to do? And he said, the only thing that interests me is the Suicide Squad plot line. That comic book is the only thing that that, that really speaks to me as a director that I want to touch. And that's already taken by David Ayers. Right. This was at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Little did we know that James Gunn was going to come through and punch that through the roof, right? But I... At the time, I was like, "Yeah, like a like a like a Guy Ritchie Suicide Squad movie. Like I, I would totally out. watch that. that." Right? Of course, I would have totally expected to like a David. Is it Ayer? Not Air? Air? It's probably Air. I don't. I don't know what it is. Neither That's, do I. It's one of those. But I mean, his stuff. I was kind of surprised. I hated that movie so much. Well, a lot of that apparently was in the editing. Apparently, yeah, I've heard that as well. And now they're saying release the Air cut, which I'll go see because that guy. He makes some mean effing movies. Oh, yeah. Fury is just one of the I, greatest just, war movies ever it's made. So unpleasant and so mean. Did you ever see his uh, Schwarzenegger flick? Which Sabotage? one? Sabotage? No. 
Oh, watch Sabotage. It yeah? is ugly. It is grimy. It is mean. It is not pleasant. But it's one of those that is worth seeing just because it's such a – it's remarkable how ugly and mean it is. It's called what? It's Sabotage. I'm making another list. Oh, and you should see the cast list for that movie. You'd be like, how have, not, how have I not heard of this movie? Unless, I don't know if it's good or not, but I remember just being ta- so taken aback by how unrelenting it was. It was like, you know, I don't really enjoy that per se, but I enjoyed this one because it was so clear. It's like, I'm going to make the gnarliest flick you've seen in a while. I think that Schwarzenegger is going to enter into a a third act of his career that is going to surprise people. He could. I could see him doing a very interesting thing. Okay. But anyway, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Is amazing. And Dar Salim, who's actually a, a German actor of Arab descent, is, is in that film. And okay. He's just... It, he was so good. I I really thought, like, remember when Tony Shalhoub was like the third, yeah, yeah, yeah. fourth character forever? And on then he a, got. What was the, what was that TV show? Monk. Wings. Wings. He was on Wings. Yeah, he was yeah. like the third or fourth, like guy, the third on or fourth guy on yeah. Wings. And then, so, it, and I understand, like, there's a, there's a cultural boundary, right or wrong, of what we have, of, of who we want to see in, in TV shows and movies or whatever, because we are who we are. But I remember when Monk came on and everyone was like, that is so great that Tony Shalhoub got that, yeah, exactly. that shot, right? Because like, he is so talented and so good. I remember he was the, one of the very few things that I liked about the movie The Siege. I haven't seen The with, Siege. Yeah, with Bruce Willis. The Bruce Willis, and, Denzel. And Benning. Yeah, I, I know of it. I just, I just never saw it. Yeah, it's, it's one of those films that has a lot of things lacking. Mm-hmm. And Tony Shalhoub is not one of those things. Uh, from what I've heard is like, yeah, the stuff that's good is really good. Yeah. All right, continue. So anyway, so we've got going through, what was that, April? Here's May. Here's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Okay. And then we have... Man, there is still just junk being released. Fast X in May. Didn't see. Don't care to. That was... Did you hear Sean Fennessy have an existential crisis when that came out? <laughs> Yeah, on, on the rewatchables. I, well, it was the uh, big picture. It was the big picture yeah. podcast. I, I think Sean Fennessy is kind of up his own ass a lot of the time. But on this one, I kind of understood. It's like, yeah, I can see why you would have it in existential crisis. Like, this is hopeless. It was so horrible. And I, I don't like the series. But that was definitely the bottom no, of the barrel. If you were asking me, if I like one or two of them. And there's the one that I like a lot. The rest of them are trash, that are, in my opinion. And Schrader's film finally came out, The Master Gardener, which I haven't seen. but I've, I've heard, heard that's quite good, yeah. His his uh, his whole publicity push where he went on to Mark Maron and, mm-hmm. and tons of others and did interviews. And Paul Schrader never does interviews. Just really, really excellent. And I saw Hardcore recently. Which what a good time that wasn't, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it was. You can look it up on my As the box. father of a teenage daughter. Yeah. <laughs> a tough movie to watch. Doesn't end well. Okay. Little Mermaid. See, we're in May, and there are no highlights that you're saying. Okay, there's Spider-Man Across the Universe. Now we're in June? Yes. Okay. Transformers? No. Fuck. I'm sure it's fine, but probably not. Doesn't interest me. The Flash. What a fucking catastrophe I never saw that. that. I was actually kind of intrigued, but I didn't see it. And I probably may see it on HBO Max. Oh! But the one two down, I'm interested in seeing. Asteroid City. I yeah, I saw that. I've heard his. I yeah. Mean, I mean, I, I, I'm predisposed to like Wes Anderson stuff. Yeah, so. so am I. Yeah. So I'm sure I will enjoy it. <laughs> I really, really liked it. Yeah. yeah. And he's got another one on Netflix, which I haven't seen yet. Oh, uh, his uh, Royal Doll? Yeah, his Royal Doll film. Yeah. 
There's Extraction 2. Did I, I loved Extraction. Extraction. And ext- extraction 2 was good. It wasn't as good as Extraction, it. but it was, it was pretty good. The Didn't Dial of Destiny. So that's the one, kind of like Clerks 3, where I can't – if you'd have told me 20 years ago there was an Indiana Jones movie that came out that I would be ambivalent to seeing, I would not have believed you. And on that one, I'm – I think we litigated this already. We we very well might have, but I've not seen it still. I don't know if we recorded it. But it, I mean, I'm sure I, – I, I guess it's fine. It's, I, it's it's fine, it's fine. And it, I don't want fine. You, you will not you will not hate it. Hmm. But I, I believe th- that there were characters. Phoebe Waller Bridge, which I do not want to trash. She's a very capable actress. Oh, this, so you don't want to trash her. Personally. I don't want to pr- trash her or her performance or what or what uh, James Mangold wanted her to do. I don't have a problem with what James Mangold wanted her to do. The 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 thing that frustrates me mm-hmm. is. Given her character and who her character was and what her character was interested in, her character's motivations, this was a prime opportunity to have Kihai Kwan oh, yeah, I remember you talking about this. redo yeah, the short this, round yeah. role, right? It would have like, made a lot, of, it a lot more narrative sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that would have elevated that film to five-star level. I think it would have been – At least four. Or at least four. It, it would have been like Last Crusade type of country, yeah. you know? Okay. And but yeah, I still have, it's on Disney Plus now, and I haven't seen it, which is embarrassing. But I don't know. I I can't wait to watch it again. Um, and again, she's not bad. Right. It's just not necessarily the fit you were looking for. Right. So July, Sound of Freedom, which we already discussed, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. I still have to see it. I suck so much. I didn't see it. I saw. I it. know you were not a huge fan. I I was not. And I got to see it again. My son loves it. You know, they were on a run. Oh, yeah. The past three or four have been I mean, Mission pretty Im- remarkable. Mission Impossible 3. Pretty good. Turned the franchise around, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. And then the, after that, I think it was Ghost Protocol. I love Ghost Protocol. Was fucking love Ghost Protocol. Astounding. Yeah, I love that. And uh, Rogue Nation, which I think was, uh, was what's his face? It's Christopher McQuarrie's first. Major. Was, was Rogue Nation. Yeah, I think that was the one he was directing i think that's the first one he was yeah. directing yeah which is okay go on i i, I love that film. i think it's flawless i need to see it again it, i i didn't i don't remember disliking it. i just remember yeah. ghost protocol being for whatever reason worked for me so well yeah that i liked it fine as opposed to it's just getting better yeah and and then there was the the fucking hammer of the gods fallout that one i need to see again that was couldn't fucking believe how good yeah, that that's, movie that's, that was. That's one of those. It's like diehard good, right? So that's why I need to see it again because I know that's the general perception. And for whatever reason, it was like it was good to me. Yeah. So I need to see it again just because I suspect I'm missing something. I think you saw that three times in the theater. Yeah, no, no I, I, I'm sure it's excellent. I, I just I saw it the one time. I was like, it was good. It was good. It was good. But it, was, yeah. it wasn't like this thunderbolt, which a lot of like Ghost Protocol to me was like. I can't effing believe how much I enjoyed. Yeah, that. yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. Yeah. You know, but Fallout is just so much better. Yeah, I, I believe yeah. you. Yeah, I always I just need to see it again. Yeah. So um, we'll see. Um, Sean Fennessy mm-hmm. wrote a fantastic review of Dead Reckoning. Okay. On Letterboxd, which kind of encapsulates everyone's disappointment okay. in that film. So just go to that. Oppenheimer came out that month. Same thing with Barbie. Same weekend. Talk about a cultural and financial encouraging, you know, event. The highest earning movie Warner Brothers has ever made 
not right. adjust for inflation. Right. But it's one of those where it's like, okay, we have – it's still IP for God's sakes. But at the same time, it's it's just different. It's not a sequel. Did you see Meg 2, The Trench? No, I didn't see Meg 1, The Non-Trench. We're in August now. Yeah. I missed The Blue Beetle. Yeah, I, no, I did, again, no interest. I did want to see it. I've heard it's charming. I just yeah. well, it's one of those one of those things that kind of takes you by surprise. Like I just, by my nature, mm-hmm. I hate Transformers movies. I think I've seen all of them except for the one that's in theaters now. I know I haven't seen the last but two. I, I mean, I, I I can't stand them. I, I like the fucking I, I hate. Do, I actually do like the first one, but I like the first twenty minutes of the first one. Fair but enough. I took my daughter to see Bumblebee. I've heard that's With, quite good. Is it I not? I didn't believe how good it was. <laughs> Haley Steinfield is in that. Oh, is she? It's I didn't just, know that. It's just an amazing film. And and while I was watching it, I was like, I am predisposed to hate this shit. Why am I liking it so much? It's just a good old-fashioned just a good, movie. good time. Yeah. You know? And I think that a lot of things that the other films are missing are mm-hmm. in that movie. Right. I mean, the problem with the Transformers movies for me that I've seen is that as much as I really do like Michael Bay, which is a problematic statement, <laughs> his worst is the worst. And you and, saw – go ahead. Oh, So he just he, – on the Transformers movies, basically by the fourth or fifth or 19th, like, yeah, Michael, just do what you want. And it's like some of the stuff that was bad was like, oh, my God, this is fucking terrible. You saw Gran Turismo. Yeah, I saw Gran Turismo. And? Yeah, I found the lead to be interesting, for sure. I yeah, it's found, a new guy. Yeah, a new guy who I'd never seen before. I, I thought it was fine. I thought the, uh, have you seen Gran Turismo? No. Okay. So there's a, the racing scenes are pretty good, right? Um, pretty well done. Um, the crazy thing about it, from my perspective, was Ginger Spice was in it, which I was like, that looks like a Spice Girl. It's like, that can't be the Spice Girl. And I looked up afterwards, like, holy crap, it's a Spice Girl. And she was actually pretty good. She was the mother. The, uh, she was the red-headed Spice Girl. Yeah, you know, I was more of a sporty Spice type That's of guy. That's fine. It's, it's fine. But it's one of those where it's like, she was shockingly effective as a Really? Mother. Yeah, I thought she was pretty compelling. But I thought it was okay. Okay. And Neil Bullcamp is one of those guys where I've, I'm just so disappointed. Right? District 9 was really interesting. Exceptional. Pretty exceptional. I thought Elysium was pretty close to mediocre and possibly edging towards bad. I, I liked Elysium. I, I thought it was... I was empathetic to a lot of its points. Yeah. It, well... I understand why it doesn't ind- work Independent people. of, you know, any of the thesis, it was just like, uh, uh, I just didn't like it. Chappie was... Fucking god awful. Uh, I never saw that, but I, I want to. Yeah, have fun with that. I mm. saw it once. Like, this is garbage. And nobody saw the creator, apparently. No. did he? Well, he didn't do the creator. He didn't do that? The, the one that came out this year? Yeah. No, no, that wasn't him. That was, uh, oh my god, who was that? Gareth Edwards. Gareth Edwards, yeah. Uh, who did the Godzilla flick and Monsters. I miss Golda with Helen Mirren playing Golda. I, that, that's like timing. That came out like a month before... October 7th hit. I don't know what Gold is. Gold is a, it's a movie about Gold of My Air. Four, three, two, one. 
Today, the Egyptian and Syrian armies launched an offensive against Israel. Our enemies hoped to surprise the citizens of Israel on Yom Kippur. Our troops are outnumbered seven to one. If the Arabs reach Tel Aviv, Israel will be wiped off the map. In my day, they stood for the Prime Minister. Secretary Kissinger is on the line. Remember that I am first an American, second I am Secretary of State, and third I am a Jew. You forget that in Israel we read from right to left. The American people will pay a high price for supporting Israel. If we have to, we will fight alone. Our troops in the canal, they're surrounded. You rescue these boys. Might lead to catastrophe. If the Americans throw us to the dogs, I will not be taken alive. The Egyptians have fired a cruise missile at Tel Aviv. Well, I'm not going to get under the table, but don't let me stop you. If the Egyptians defeat us with Soviet weapons, what message does that send to the free world? The Russians are preparing 11 airborne divisions. When I was a child in Ukraine, they would beat Jews to death in the street for fun. I am not that little girl hiding in the cellar. Do you know how many people died? All those boys. I will carry that pain to my grave. We will keep fighting for a guarantee of life and peace. Golda Meir is she was the Prime Minister of Israel for about ten years. Okay. Correction. Wikipedia says Gold Mayer was the Prime Minister of Israel from 1969 to 1974. She died in 1978. Tikun. Bewikipedia nichtav ki Gold Meir haita rosh memshelet Israel me 1969 she had several things that she had to deal with, including the Munich massacre mm-hmm. and then the uh, the Yom Kippur War of 1973. And she was the the one who had the famous line, which is, and I'm not trying to piss anybody off here, but she said, you know, the the minute the Palestinians love their children more than they hate us, the killing will stop. And she was the last labor leader, I believe, of, of Israel, which was a huge, huge political shift and, and a history shift for the nation of Israel. So... I was very interested to see Helen Mirren in that in but that just, movie, but I just I just didn't see it. Yeah, I don't think that it played nearby. Well, it may be one of those things where there wasn't a wide release. Right, right. But regardless, I mean, that, I mean, that did happen like a month before the Hamas right. fucking whatever. I don't want to talk about that. I'm just going to get yeah. upset. Yeah, of yeah, course. Equalizer three. I've never seen the Equalizer movies, but I've heard they're very good. <laughs> you need to see the Equalizer yeah, I, I, movies. I agree. It's, it's like <laughs> Taken on crack. Right. I've heard it's very good. Denzel. It's Denzel. <laughs> It's amazing. The Nun too pulled in a lot of movie, a lot of money. I think I think that's Warner Brothers trying to compete with uh, is, Blumhouse. Is in, I thought it was a Blumhouse. Am I wrong? No, it's a it's a New Line Cinema. Oh, okay. Yeah, the local company is Atomic Monster, which I've never heard of. Mm. Scrolling, scrolling, scroll, scrolling. Scroll, scroll. This my, is my my family saw a Haunting in Venice. They liked it. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, we're in September. Expendables 4? No, I'm not seeing it. <laughs> I saw that. 
I saw you Fucking gave it one star. Useless. Being generous. Useless. Uh, the creator. Here it is. I've heard that's very visually interesting. All right, October, December. This is okay. where we started getting the sweet spot where people are actually releasing movies. Right. Not that I've seen them all. They're all competing. The Kane Mutiny Court Martial. I want to see that. That's Friedkin's last movie. Is that on Paramount? I'm not sure, but I it's... Think, I think it is. Yeah. Republic Pictures Showtime Paramount Plus. Yeah. yeah. So. Jason Clark is in it. Jason Clark is an Oppenheimer. Okay. And really, I like Jason Clark. I, 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 I find him okay. You know who I, who, who I liken him to? Chris Cooper. Okay. Remember for the yeah, longest yeah, yeah. time, Chris Cooper was in the background. You're like, this movie would be different without Chris Cooper in it. Right. And then all of a sudden, Chris Cooper starts doing like weird shit, like leads. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you're not a lead guy, but holy shit. But thank it God you're Yes. Yeah. October appears to be more October. barren than I recall. Ta- it, well, it's barren because Taylor Swift landed right in the middle of it. That's okay. why it's so barren. Which did just obliterate everything. Killers of the Flower Moon. That's outstanding. You saw it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I saw it. And that was one of those I went to go. Actually, the first that was the first movie I've seen in the theater by myself in maybe 20 years. Wow. Maybe 20. And it was great. I, I thought that was one of his Scorsese's best movies in a decade. Did you see Silence? I didn't see Silence. No, that would have been a movie that I would have gone seen by myself because when I was going to go see Killers of the Flower Moon, like, okay, I'm going to go see this movie and the Scorsese film. And like Nicole was like, oh, I want to see that. It's like, it's three and a half hours. She's like, okay, never mind. (laughs) You know? So I just went and I I enjoyed the shit out of it. The funniest thing I have heard about Killers of the Flower Moon was that somebody, I don't know who, found out that there were some theaters, individual theaters, who were putting an intermission in the middle of the movie. Okay. And Thelma Schumacher was fucking calling these theaters by herself and saying, I have heard you're doing this and I want you to stop. But it is a movie I think would have benefited from an intermission. You think so? Well, I just find well, it hysterical the, that, that Thelma Schumacher yeah, is Martin Scorsese's yeah, no, that, that is remarkable. And, and I, I absolutely <laughs> positively, you know, respect <laughs> their, their vision and the artistry and all that. It makes total sense. But it is a movie. It's three and a half hours. Yeah. So having an intermission and an opportunity to walk out and just take a second away probably wouldn't be a bad thing. It wouldn't have affected the financials of it, right? No. no. But I thought that was tremendous. I remember um, Tarantino was on – he's got his own podcast now. Yeah. Um, the the Video Archives mm-hmm. podcast with him and Roger Avery. And he was talking about Queen's Gambit. He said that you know, I would have sat in a theater for 13 hours watching that because right. it was so compelling. Yeah, that movie that, – that show was very good. Yeah. No, I thought uh, Killer's Fly Moon was uh, of my top five for the few movies that I saw in 2023. That is definitely on there. It was really relentless, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it was, Not a whole lot of music. No, it was it was so different than what you're used to from a, quote, Scorsese, end of quote, film. But yeah. I, 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 what was your favorite scene? My favorite scene was definitely in the first 30 minutes where they are – where it is much more – traditional Martin Scorsese, right? Where there was camera movement and just, but when the Osage, found yeah, the, the tribal oil, council, when they, well, when they found the oil, Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and it was, in, I mean, that was maybe the first 15 minutes. Right. Yeah. But that, at that point just kind of totally hooked me. So that, that, and the, um, the death of the mother mm-hmm. and the moving to the after world from that perspective, I thought was really good. No, the whole movie was really, 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 really good. I thought the Osage performances were amazing. Yeah, they were they were excellent. They really were. I mean, that, the whole movie was, in my opinion, exceptional. And that and that lady, uh, Lily Gladstone, 
Which yeah, she was really was fantastic. Yeah, she was really very good. I mean, it was one of those where do more with less for sure. She didn't say a whole lot, mm-hmm. right? And no, I, I mean, the movie was exceptional. That council scene where they're in the tent and they're talking about the past and the future. Like right. I was, I was just so enraptured in that. Yeah. And and you see Robert De Niro is sitting in that scene. And that scene goes on for like 10 or 15 it's, minutes. It's a while, but it's really And compelling. he's got like one or two lines. Uh-huh. But he's definitely the one with the most weight in that whole scene. Sure. But what is it like as an actor to sit in a room with Robert De Niro and act like that? Yeah, I don't know. fucking crazy. No, but that, that movie is really good. I remember you and I had different of opinion on our letterbox reviews, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. Independent of that. It's like, yeah, it's kind of universal. It, it's probably, you know, when Scorsese passes, I'm going to have to do some kind of top 30, right? Mm-hmm. And it's going to be tough to imagine that not being in the top seven. Yeah. I mean, I liked it more than The Irishman, and I like The Irishman. Oh, my God. I love The Irishman. I like The Irishman. I love lot, The Irishman. But I think I like this better. I saw The Irishman in the theater. Yeah, I did not. I was not able to. Yes. It was amazing. Five Nights at Freddy, which my family went to go see. Wow, talk about a cultural phenomenon. That's actually more of a surprising cultural phenomenon than the Eras Tour. <laughs> to me. The one that I really want to talk about is The Killer. Killer, fascinating. You and I went to go see that. Thank goodness. I mean, that is a movie that I... In the theater. I can imagine seeing it on the Netflix. And I've, I, I've seen it on I, Netflix I, I, twice. I haven't seen it on the Netflix. Did you watch it on the big screen or... Right here. So I, I, I'm sure it's fine, right? But that's one of those that... Re- like most every single movie, it benefits so much from the theater. And, oh, that was really good. There was one I watched recently, the, the one with uh, Julia Roberts. It's on Netflix. Uh, uh, Kevin Bacon's in it. Leave the World Behind. Yes. And as I'm watching it on my screen, and I've got like a 35-inch screen in my study. And if you think about it, I had a 35-inch bulb uh, before the days of flat screens. Mm-hmm. That I had for for ten or fifteen years, yeah. and before that, I was I mean, watching that was a big ass. That was a big ass TV. And when I was a kid growing up, I I had like I don't know, like a twenty seven inch bulb. Mm-hmm. That was just what you what you saw. But even on this thirty five inch flat screen, I was in my study. I was thinking, this this would be amazing in the theater. Like I might like this movie more. Right. There's if been I was a, in the theater. There's been quite a few. I do think that a lot of my affection for the killer is based on the theatrical experience because the sound design was oh, it was amazing. It was outstanding. Yeah. And I, I've got a home theater. I mean, and it's good, but it's not as good as a theater. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, my Kino room, like I have 5.1 sound. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I if if the Blu-ray has that, then I use I'm it. sure it does. You yeah. know. Well, that's not, I don't know. Physical, is it? it well, it depends. So well, the killer itself. That, the killer itself, I, I don't just think. Just came on Netflix. It, so, well, it's, yeah. you can't get the killer on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. You can't get Mank on Blu-ray. No. Which I have a big fucking problem with. <laughs> Now, if you've got a, <laughs> if you go onto eBay, you can find Mank on Blu-ray, right? But it's not. It's a bootleg. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm sure Mank will be out on Blu-ray. It, I would imagine. I'm be. I can't believe. I am deeply offended. I can tell that there is a David Fincher movie that you cannot buy on disc. That pisses me off, quite frankly. Indicators should do something about that. You can't buy Panic Room. Uh, you can get a used copy. Of, yeah, that DVD has been out of print for. Yeah, I've got two. I've got the original that came out, and then I got the re-release, which is shit. And then that was those were the only two copies that came out. What re-released? I'm not sure. Well, there was the they re-released it like I don't know 
five or six years after the initial okay. run. And those are the only two copies that are running around. Because, yeah, I've got the three-disc special edition. That's is, that's the one I'm talking okay. about. Yeah, That's not the re-release. Yeah, the, the initial release was just a single disc in 2000. But you were saying the re-release is shit. The, or maybe I missed no, the re-release is not shit. It's shit that they have not gotcha. okay, I put it out on Blu-ray. It. Gotcha. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure that'll be coming. It better be. See, I don't even have I don't even have the three disc edition. Oh, that's I, very cool. I have the first disc of that three disc edition, gotcha. which I bought by mistake. It's a long story. Anyway. Okay. I did not see Priscilla. I've heard Priscilla's quite good. I've heard it's good. I just want to express my love for Sofia Coppola in a very Christopher Nolan type of way. Like I am glad <laughs> that there are people in Hollywood that are giving her money. Right. And and, and I want Sofia Coppola to to do whatever it is that she wants to do with that money. Make a movie a year for the next twenty right. years. And it doesn't I don't give a shit if I like it or not. Right. I want her to have that freedom and power. Yeah. But I do want to see that eventually. Did did you see the Elvis movie? That came out. And I never saw the Ellis movie either, so I suck. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to tell you. That was different. That was bad all the way. Yeah, he is definitely like if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing for sure. Okay, the holdovers we're going to cover under a yeah, different, we'll back to that. different podcast. And then moving into December, which is where stuff. I mean, I've seen four movies in December or three. Right, here's the Marvels, which Didn't we already that. already discussed. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see the Hunger Games. Uh, pass. Did you see the trolls? I did see the trolls. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. Oh my god! Saltburn <laughs> made a dent, but I haven't Salt seen Burn it. Saltburn made an impression on yeah, the cult. I've heard it's well. Okay, so most of the reviews I've read and heard about says it kind of sucks, but they're very impressed that it got made. Yeah. So I hadn't seen it, so I have no opinion. But yeah, uh, the one underneath it is the one that's really like pissing people off right now, which is the May December by I Todd heard Hayes. Getting mad about it. Uh, I, th- I think that there's, there's controversy about the controversy. Oh, okay. Right. Well, like, a, you uh, know, um, that sounds pretty normal. Isn't that yeah. like modern day bullshit? Yeah. yeah. Like it, I want to see it, but I really don't want to see it. It's one of those movies I, that I, yeah, it's like one of those I'm interested that, and intrigued, but, but I'm not going to go totally out of my way. Although I've heard that there are good performances and you're Natalie Portman head. I am. I love Natalie Portman. Yeah, so you should probably see it just did, for that. Did you see the Darjeeling Limited with uh, by well, Wes Anderson? That, I, I, yeah, that's embarrassing. I passed out halfway through. <laughs> I watched it on my incredibly comfortable couch. It was. It's embarrassing. I I, I watched it on my very comfortable couch and fell asleep. And because it's the only Wes Anderson movie I ever fell asleep in, and I was like, it's 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 inexcusable, but it's true. Do you have it on Criterion? I do. I do. So you need to finish that up. Yeah, I need to finish that. Yeah, it's embarrassing. So so did you see the the, the prequel? The Hotel That's, Chevalier yeah. or whatever it is? I, I have seen that, yes. Okay, okay. So I don't want to diss mm-hmm. the Darjeeling Limited, but the Hotel Chevalier, in context of after watching Darjeeling, Makes a lot of sense. It's, it's an amazing short film. Yeah, I've not. Yeah. It's, yeah I, I need, don't have that context. Yeah. So. The, the great thing about it is, I don't know, about two-thirds way through the movie? Barbe Schroeder shows up. That's unexpected. And, and so when he shows, of course, I haven't seen Barbe Schroeder in like 25 years. Right. So when he pops up, I was like, I know that guy. Who the fuck is that guy? That guy looks like Barbe Schroeder. Oh and my then, God, it is. And so then you're like, what kind of a fucking Edwin type cinema nerd am I? 
what kind oh, of yeah. Kino head am I that I actually uh, know who Barb yes, Schroeder yes. is? Like, oh, this is not good. I'm and not of course, my, that's what my son says. Who the fuck is Barb Schroeder? I'm like, dude, you don't know Barb. You know, he was like, that. oh yeah, why would you? <laughs> yeah, right. Why would you? Idiot, I mean, Dada. Great movie. Mm. Okay. But I'm, I've heard it's pretty good, but I, I haven't seen it. And you haven't seen Napoleon? No, no. Uh, Napoleon is been pretty universal in what I've heard is that, okay, it's the most current Ridley Scott movie that's like Kingdom of Heaven. If you're going to see it, see the long version, and the long version isn't out yet, and I've not heard anybody, including you and your son, who saw the movie in the theaters and walked away saying that was really worth seeing. It was pretty much a whole bunch of it's going to be respected and better with the long version. I think so. So it's like, well, okay, why am I why didn't they just release the long version in the theaters? That's it's what like I want to know. A, it's, it's by design such a restricted or limited release. Like, oh, just do the long one. It's like they, they very specifically put out a bunch of shit when they know there is a better version. Yeah. I'd it may not just... be better, but it's definitely more encompassing. Well, I know that there – obviously money is an issue here. Like, I remember Warren Beatty saying, you know, Reds could only be shown twice a day. Yeah, when it's that long, it does make an impact. But they're not shooting for theatrical revenue. That's not the objective of the movie. I think the objective of this movie was to make as much money as possible so they could put out the four-hour version. Right, but I think it's it's focused primarily, if not exclusively, on raising the awareness of Apple Plus as opposed to uh, getting your money from the theatrical release. Do you have Apple Plus? I do not. Do you? We d- we does did the th- anybody? We did the 30-day trial. And we watched as much as we could. Mm-hmm. And I saw the film Greyhound with Not with Tom Hanks. Oh, that's the submarine or the uh, yeah, yeah, the submarine the, movie. Is it the yeah. submarine? Okay, I've heard that pretty good. Yeah. Shocking. Dear Lord, let your holy angel be with me. I commend myself, my body, and soul. Amen. Congratulations on your command. I'll always be looking for you, Evie. Even if I'm a thousand miles away. We have hits directly on the convoy. The wolf bag's haunting us. You both starboard bound! In 48 hours, we've lost seven ships. 50 souls. What you did yesterday got us to today. It's not enough. Not nearly enough. Fire is there! Ah! 
Repeat, sir. Here they come. What are we gonna do? We'll bring hell down from on high. Like, not because it's fury. Right. But I, I was just... And, yeah, I tell you, Tom Hanks is... Like, he's in his 60s now. Oh, I would hope That so. man's yeah. ability to focus on a singular characteristic of a, of a character he's portraying is just amazing. He's actually an underrated actor. He is. Yeah. <laughs> it just, just, he kind of is. And I, I, you know, that's another one. Like you can't get Greyhound on Blu-ray. No, it's, it and, doesn't exist. Right. And I, I'm upset about that. Yeah. No, I've heard this actually much better than you would anticipate. I couldn't believe it. And, and, and it's another issue. Obviously, we go back to the history thing. I'm interested in the Second World War. That's right. a Second World War movie. But you know, how many people want to talk about the Battle of Atlantic? Not very many. Mm-mm. It's a very convoluted subject when you when you get into the finer details of it. It's the niche of niche, right? And, th- and this is this is just one man's story about one specific convoy and one specific you know week in in Second World War. And it, it was utterly fascinating yeah. the amount of detail they went into. I, I'd completely forgotten about that movie, but. I have heard it's very good. If you ever get a chance. Okay. I got the Apple Plus, I guess. Maestro, which came out like last week. And is supposedly quite good. I Rena- think it came out yesterday. Yesterday. And then Renaissance. Oh, the, the Beyonce. Okay. Yeah, the Beyonce movie, which apparently is pretty good. Apparently, yeah. And being Houstonians, we should see it. We should probably see it. Which, that's my favorite interview with uh, George Bush is when Jimmy Fallon is like giving him like modern day trivia questions mm-hmm. to see how much like modern day pop. A popular culture George W. Bush understands, which is like zero. I would imagine be very close <laughs> to zero. It's a very funny interview. He says, "Do you know Do you know Taylor Swift? No. <laughs> okay. Well, do you know who the Foo Fighters are? No. no. <laughs> okay. Do you know who Beyonce is? Yes. It's <laughs> like, how is it? Do you know who Beyonce is? Well, she's from Texas. <laughs> so therefore, therefore, I know her. It's really funny. Poor things, which which seems to have hit with a that seems to be interesting significant impact. Yeah. My son is a huge uh, Emma Stone fan. I'm a big Emma Stone fan. Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Christmas, Cabin Fever. Oh, my God, no. I Okay. This is like the third Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Maybe, maybe fifth. <laughs> maybe fifth. And those books have done well. They've done quite well. Wonka, which came out last Friday, which I saw for Taiwan Tuesday, which we've already gone over. Another fucking chicken run movie. Really? Holy shit. Yeah. Oh. Dawn of the Nugget. What is it? It's on. I don't know. All right. Rebel Moon. American Fiction comes out next that week. That I want to see. I want to see that bad. Yeah, that's that's something I want to see. Is it, When is that released? Or is it already? I think it's limited right next, now. It's in December. It might be out. It might be out today. Today's might, Friday, right? Today's Friday the yeah, 22nd? So, yeah, because uh, the other one's out tonight. The, the Bollywood movie that I'm going to go see. Okay. Dinka. So no, I've heard with of- Shah Rukh Khan, the king of Bollywood. And the look I'm giving you is one of complete. Have no idea what king you're talking about. God, King God. Aquaman's coming out in a couple of weeks. Do you want to see that? I th- no, no, <laughs> no, I don't want to see that. No, I don't. Who the fuck is going to go see that movie? Unfortunately, no. Unfortunately, nobody. And it's nothing to do with Amber Heard. I think I'm not interested in that narrative. But I, I'm just not interested. In no, I go see it for Amber Heard. She's 
stunningly beautiful. She appears to be a, a, a reprehensible human being, but she is very pretty. <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> if you I know, could be so base. Did you see the Rum Diaries? No, never saw that. No, uh, everyone's opinion of that whole narrative aside. <laughs> Puerto Rico. I came down here looking for a story. It's called journalism. Your resume, yeah? Don't look so anxious. I wouldn't have paid for your hotel if I hadn't already hired you. <laughs> but I found the strangest paradise on earth. Hey, you made it. But you said you had a TV. The guy across the alley has a TV. I have binoculars. It's where your secrets come to dance. Don't notice the wig. Whoa. And the voodoo works its magic. And if the drinking doesn't get you into trouble, how does anybody drink 161 miniatures? Are they not complimentary? The women definitely will. I thought maybe you were a mermaid. I'm from Connecticut. Stay away from her. She's Sanderson's fiance. She sunbathes in the nude. Take it like to Morocco. She's a sweet little beauty. I was looking at his boat. We've all been down on her. It's a wonderful experience. <laughs> now, all this might sound like some crazed hallucination, but it's all true. I think. This place is a sea of money, Paul. And there's people like me who know how to get it out. Isn't that kind of thing illegal? That's an inappropriate comment. We've nailed this bastard to his own front door. I got a story for you. I'm going after him. Are you out of your mind? I bet. Do you scream before I do? No such thing as 470 proof alcohol. What we do is private. Front seat's gone. I've got a brilliant idea. Try and look normal. Need to see the Rum Diaries. Yeah, it is it is a good book. Right. It's yeah, a I read the book. You read the book? Yeah, okay. The book. It is an even better movie. Giovanni Ribisi, mm-hmm. his role in that film is fucking gold. Okay. I really was wrapped up in that, and I thought that Amber Heard actually did a really good portrayal. The one that I couldn't get into, um, I don't know who the bad guy is. Greg Kinnear, Timothy Hutton. Can't can't remember who the bad guy is in that film, but it, uh, that didn't work for you. Tommy Two Face, Two Face from The Dark Knight. Aaron Eckhart. Oh, okay. He's okay. the bad guy, the antagonist. I'm sorry. Gotcha. <laughs> wasn't wasn't too wrapped up in him. Color purple. I'm sure we'll make money because I'm Oprah's sure. behind it. And Christmas we'll... Day. Christmas Day. That's Christmas. Okay. Ferrari. Yeah. I got Michael Mann. I know. I know. I know. It's, it's one of those that will I be able to pull off seeing it is a question that I have no answer to. I do want to see it. And I would. Yeah, I'll probably see it Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, I got things on Tuesday. That's on Christmas Day, though. Okay. All right. So now we're going to move over to the letterbox. Okay. American fiction, I think, was the last one we were talking about. I think I think so, yeah. So apparently this is uh, really quite good. So I do, I do want to see that. And I'll try to 
my darndest to figure out some way to go check it out in the theaters where you can kind of the nice thing about going to the theaters, in my opinion, aside from the sound design being replicated exceptionally well, is just the immersion, right? You can stay focused without the family's distractions, because I don't know how many movies I watch on the couch where somebody is on their phone or whatever. It's just really annoying. It's just not the way I'm, 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 I, I, I see that. I've got a, I've got a ban, in, particularly in the Kino room. Sure. There's... When they when we're up there, no one's allowed to look at their phone. Yeah, absolutely. If you can get that to work, phenomenal. It's it's tough. I don't say anything if we're in the living room or if we're outside. Right. There's definite lines though. It's like okay, once you're across this border, I have I have nine TVs in the house. You don't have nine TVs in the I house. I think I do. And the Kino room is the only place where you can't have your phone out. Hmm. So well, let's see. I've got one. I believe you. I'm just surprised. That's like a lot. I got one outside. Maybe it's not. It seems like a lot. And then I've got one. Got one outside, got one here in the living room, then I got one in the study. Then Luke just put one in the workout room, which is in the garage. Okay. So that's four on the first floor. Right. And then I've got a projector in the Kino room. And then I've got, of course, our bedroom. And then Luke and Lauren both have TVs in They're their rooms. Okay, so and then we have eight. one in the spare room. That's nine. That's nine. You got nine. I do. And I am thinking, like, you've got one or Well, two? two, including the one outside. Yeah. That's impressive. It's more impressive that you have two than it is that I have nine. <laughs> I guess. I'm not, I'm not sure. Although we are thinking about upgrading the TV. Inside or outside? Inside. 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 Projector? I don't, I don't have. No, no, no. Just a 4K. I don't have a 4K. I've got a plasma. I don't have a 4K either. Well, the projector is 4K. I think. Yeah, but they've got. They've gotten so good at such large sizes that I'm considering that getting a. And the plasma still runs great, but that's that's the primary. Oh, your one your one inside is a plasma. Yeah, so I got that. What? Oh shit, that's nice. And your boy plays Spider Man on that, doesn't he? He he does, but it's been a while. But now that I guess the 4K OLEDs are a really good, uh, you know, step. Because from what I understand, if you have a plasma, you'll be disappointed if you have LED, which has been part of the reluctance I've had to. Oh, but apparently the OLEDs are the best, you know, step. I yeah. Guess, you know, it's like, so for whatever reason, they don't make the plasmas anymore. I guess it's too expensive or the burn-in problems. I don't know. But I've got no burn-in problem. But it has been acting a little bit wonky now after about six, seven years. Has it been that long? Might be. We have, um, we've only had LEDs. And now that I think about spending the money on nine different screens, it's kind of depressing to me. <laughs> I mean, well, you didn't spend the money on the projector, right? Didn't you? Right, that? that was free. That was gratis. Yeah. So you got okay, perfect. That was that was that was a fourteen thousand dollar present, which I am really yeah. thankful for, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I don't have the TV in the bedroom. Yeah. The kids don't have them. Yeah. But you know, it's not one of those things where it's like that's a thing where I'm a better parent or anything. They have the iPads and things right, like that. So right, it's right, just right, right. it's like, what's your screen, right? If you're counting those type of things, obviously, it's a very different number. So I got a question for you. Yeah. Because I, I grew up in like a Norman Rockwell middle, middle class background. Mm -hmm. We had one TV in the living room when I grew up. Big bulb with the fucking right. roll doors to it. And maybe that was 27 inches. And eventually, I want to say sometime in the mid 80s, mm -hmm. 83, 84, that was replaced with a similar TV. Uh, and then my parents got one for the bedroom that I think was 13 inches. 
And then that was it. That was all we had. Yeah, you growing know? up, we had three. Okay. We had uh, the one in the family room, which was a CRT. And I don't know the size. I mean, let's probably 32, maybe. And then my parents had one. And then there was a, one upstairs. And that was it. Yeah, we had we had three. Yeah, ours was a Magnavox. Yeah, I think mine was too. Yeah. That and we, right. we replaced it with an Emerson. That I know we didn't do, but the like the TV upstairs was for forever, and we had a VHS hooked up to it, and that was maybe the big one because it was in a full console, right? The, yeah, the it bulbs. was a it was a way big, heavy son of a gun. I don't know how my parents got rid of it, but I'm glad I wasn't involved in that disposal. Yeah, <laughs> the bulbs lasted. Sarah and I bought our 35 inch bulb when we got married in 1999 with some wedding money, mm-hmm. and then we had that until like I when I moved to Canada, I took that one with us. Right. And that one was up there in our armoire, in our living room, I think. I mean, when came up to visit us mm-hmm. in 2014 is when we, we took it down to Future Shop to recycle. Okay. So it lasted like 16 years. Yeah, they go forever as far yeah. as I can tell. But I mean. It's the one thing me. I miss about bulbs. Yeah, although I, I've not had, like I said, I don't have a lot. Right? I've got the two TVs. The plasma is still mm-hmm. grinding along, although it's acting a little bit wonky, which is part of the reason why I'm compelled to possibly change and also i've got a I, i'm buying I, I this is dumb i'm buying some 4k discs when they're on the right price right if i can mm-hmm. get them for like 12 bucks i'm gonna get it sure sure so but it's like i can't even watch it at this high resolution so yeah because you need a player right i've got i've got an xbox is that a 4k player it is oh yeah. the new elite it's not it's not the old xbox, the xbox? yeah the xbox one, one i think is what it is four, okay yeah it's got a it's got a 4k Blu-ray player doesn't have Dolby Vision, which I don't know how good that is, but the internet says it's great. Are you disabling your dynamic view like uh, Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise say? Uh, well, I don't have that because I have the plasma. Um, right, 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 right. So right, I don't right. have the motion smoothing or anything like right. that. Right, that's not, what I'm talking about. So I, 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 I guess I am by default because it's not available. I have to turn that off. Yeah, and I've seen the motion smoothing like in the Best Buys and the places, and it is the soap opera effect is real, and it sucks. Yeah. But yeah, so I we'll probably upgrade. That's kind of it's been a very low key Christmas, and like okay, maybe we'll just get a TV, which is a very impersonal gift to each other. <laughs> that is what we're thinking about doing. I remember Kirby was telling us about three or four years ago. Maybe it was longer, but he said he he bought this new TV. Mm-hmm. It was amazing, all the bells and whistles, everything you could ever want in a TV. And then he watched a Christmas story on it because they bought it for Christmas, right? And put it in. He said the Christmas story looked like a fucking sixth grade church play. I'd it be was, curious. It was really, and it had to be the smoothie. I would imagine yeah. so. Yeah, had I to would be. imagine so. Like people are closing doors and the fucking walls are rattling. Like I mean, you see that with Gone with the Wind sometimes, but you know this is kind of right. you know, it's really disappointing when you spend all that money and everything. Yeah, and then you're bummed. I had the monkeys on HD. I bought the the monkey season. They're only season they did. <laughs> They're one. Was it only one season? season? I think it was. Yeah. Oh, and then, and I watched the first episode on on HD, and it, it looked horrible. It looked horrible. <laughs> it was on an HD DVD, you know, was, back when HD DVDs right. were were the thing. When that was that was the fight. Yeah, and then I, I also have um, all the Star Trek, the Star Trek season one, two, and three. The originals. The originals. Did those I have those on HD DVDs too. So I now those I watched through my through my Xbox 360 at okay. the time, and they were fine. Right, but I I did see a documentary on on one of the discs that said that they had to effectively redo all the special effects shots. I, I've heard about the the, uh, 
the original series having being redone because it was mastered in. I guess the, the special effects were created in a lower resolution, than right? What Blu-ray the and 1080p, it, right? Right. I've heard they're good, but I, I haven't seen them. So I don't they know. they look exactly the same. It, they oh. do not look new. They look like effects that you would do now. That what helped in that is they actually found like now I did see the model. Right. right. I, I found something on YouTube where I stumbled across it where. I mean, they were newly created. There was a noticeable difference. So I do wonder if what I was seeing was different than what the oh, same possibly. have. Because yeah. it was like, okay, this is definitely different. Well, they, they had a lot of problems with that. Where there was um, that one famous one with at The Rock. I don't know if it's the day after tomorrow, whatever episode it was, with mm-hmm. the green monster that can't move and everybody makes fun of now. Kirk's fighting it on right, the Right, right, right. The uh, uh, Gargon or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, some of the G. Goth, Gorth, something. Yeah, something I, God, like dogged, that. Yeah. I don't know that, but I don't. But it, um, the the texture of the the monster's face was like laughable. Well, I'm sure. Yeah, once you get you to know. that resolution, yeah, they, yeah, the effects are probably showing. Yeah, the strings. So they just gave it a little bit more texture, and then they made the eyes blink, like okay. not like crazy good, right? But you know, enough that enough that it broke it up. Like okay, that could be done in the '60s. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm not against that. It's kind of like. Um, you know, one of the most amazing documentaries I've seen is when they did the the Blade Runner final cut. I haven't seen the final cut yet. You need to see the final cut and you you need to see the documentary about the guys who said they put it together where they brought Ridley Scott and they said, we have 318 changes we want, we want to make on this film and we need your approval for every single one. Uh, And Ridley Scott was like, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) I've been very hesitant to watch the final cut because from what I understand, not seeing it. Is that the is Deckard a replicant or not is somewhat definitively answered. I don't know if that's true because I haven't seen it. I th- I think that it is. So that's yeah one of the things always the ambiguity I always into, I always like right? yeah. So I don't need to have that answered for me, especially when it leads into twenty forty nine and you can watch twenty forty nine and it's what do you want to read is available to you as an option. Yes, right. So. You could walk in, out of there saying, okay, Deckard's not a replicant, or he is. So I do like that about that movie. Having is, that option. Right. So I understand the final cut is more, much more definitive. It's like, okay, yes, he is. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with that read, even though it is from the filmmaker. So that's part of the reason I've been really hesitant to watch it. It's like, I don't need this defined for me. I kind of enjoyed my own alternate reality. Yeah. I think I, think I told you this, that Luke and I saw it on the big screen about... I want to say, I want to say it was 2017. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was the 2019. Yeah, I think it was 2019 for the because that's when Blade Runner takes place. Is yeah, 2019. I think 49 came out. In what didn't that come out? I think, in 19? I think it came out in 19. Yeah, or maybe, maybe 18. But yeah. Anyway, so we went to see it in the big theater, and and we had we, he had only seen it once. He saw the final cut, so mm-hmm. they they put the final cut on the big screen. We went to go see it in in some theater way the hell up on near Lake Houston was the only one that was showing. God, that wasn't close. No. And, uh, I was really amazed by the color. Like he was, the colors like really popped out from that perspective. I'd love to see it. Yeah. Right. For sure. Yeah. The visual enhancements just alone, you know, the replication of the film cut for sure. It looked a lot like the, the total recall remake, which you hate. That movie sucks. Yeah. I know you hate it. So the, the other aspect Thinking along those similar lines, I went to go see The Exorcist recently. Okay. Yes. How was that? It it was amazing. Was it the original cut or was it the quote director's cut into quote? It was the it was 
quote the director's cut, end of quote, it was not the version you've never seen before, which there has like, difference. that's right. There is a difference. There's a huge time difference between those two. Yeah. Cause this was only like 90 seconds longer than the theatrical. Okay. That came out in 73. So what I, what I'd seen in, not before we walked in, uh, Ben Mankiewicz introduced it. Okay. Because it was a Fathom event. Not in person, I presume. Not, you know, <laughs> I would have killed to have been like, wow, it's unexpected, but awesome. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the movie, you know, he does like this closing thing after the credits, which most people don't hang around for because they don't know that he's coming back. But Luke and I always stay because we know it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And he came back and said that uh, Friedkin had pushed the saturation of the film uh, into a new color timing. Okay. Like he just pushed it to the extreme. And so it, it made the colors not look like they were shot in 73 on on the whatever bullshit stock that they had at Warner right. Brothers, like Deluxe or whatever it is that they use. I can't remember what it was. But if you look at The Exorcist on on, on the DVD that was released in, in 1973, I mean, it looks like any movie that was made in 1973. It looks mm-hmm. like The Godfather or whatever. It just has a sort of stale type of colors, which was great at the time. Right. But it, since then, we look back and we're like, oh, we can tell that that was made in 1973 because we're used to that it's, color palette. It's very from dated. The, right. Yeah. It's very dated. Which which is not bad. It's not bad. But you it know. is one of those things where it definitely pins it in a point in time. It does. And the uh, Friedkin pushed the saturation to the end. So he made the, he made the bolder colors stand out, like lots of reds, lots of brilliant blues, lots of purples that previously had been kind of understated in the past and kind of looked uh, – kind of looked really stale okay and what that did was it made it look more like my study right now it right. just made everything in a very strange sense made it it put it in a different focus and put it into a more modern feel like it wasn't taking place in 1973 it could have taken place in 2023 is the original color timing and all that still available yes okay because that's the that's the, always the one thing that i think most people go back to it's like New versions are fine as long as you can still maintain the original, despite its flaws or whatever you want to look at it as, right? Its limitations is probably a better way to put it. I would be very upset if they all of a sudden decided that the the theatrical cut was not available. Right. It's like like the Star Wars. Right. Right. The theatrical version is, it's unavailable. You can't do it. You can't get it. It doesn't exist. And that's the problem is that the special editions, people are, broadly speaking, fine with it. But it's like, ah, oh, not having the original isn't even an option is the problem. Right. So I was curious if that did. Right. You ready to move on to Letterboxd? Sure. Okay. Because I want to start off with you. Oh. In January. Well, mine is a lot shorter than yours. Yeah, you had 98 movies in 2023. Right. And I want to I run through some of these that you, you saw in January. Huh? Edge of Tomorrow. Was that your first time? No, no, no. I saw okay. Edge of Tomorrow. Um, actually, Edge of Tomorrow is funny because I went to go see that in the theater. When my two brothers, myself and my dad, went to Talladega and drove NASCAR, NASCARs on Talladega. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we went to go see this movie because I was like, oh, I heard it was good. And I walked out just like, that was so much effing better than I thought it would be. Oh, my God. So oh, I really like Edge of Tomorrow. I'm sorry. I, I didn't see the, the rewatch symbol on here. Yeah, well, I don't always put that, so I wouldn't hold it against you. And then you finally saw uh, the taking of Pelham 123, the original. Outstanding. It is, it is effing good. 1.23 p.m. A crowded subway train starts its run from Pelham Station in the Bronx. 1.45 p.m. Four desperate, heavily armed men seize control of the train. Open the door or I'll blow your head off. Taking 17 people as hostages. Your attention, please. Now then, you'll all remain seated. Anybody who tries to rise is going to get shot. (laughs) A 
do hope I have made myself understood. 2.13 p.m. The city of New York is given one hour to come up with a million-dollar ransom. You're out of your skull. And all units stand by on a double. What's up, Z? A train's been hijacked. Millions have read it. Now you can live it. The taking of Pelham. One, two, three. There is no way you can get away with this. You are underground in a tunnel. At precisely 3.13, we are going to begin executing the hostages. Let's go! Nothing will happen as long as you obey my orders. New York City is held powerless in the grip of four ruthless men. From the mayor's office. Don't tell me, I don't want to know. To police headquarters. I've got about 50 men inside the tunnel, all wearing vests and armed with machine and submachine guns. We could fight the Third World War down there. To the nerve center of the world's busiest subway system. My only priority is saving the lives of these passengers. Maybe an hour isn't enough time. An hour is plenty of time. We agree to pay the ransom. Repeat, we agreed to pay you the money. Now turn your clock off. The money has to be counted, stacked, tied, transported uptown. It just isn't physically possible. You'd be surprised what's physically possible. Column one, two, three's in motion. How long does it take to get all that money together anyway? Just not gonna make it. We'll never make it. The passengers are dead ducks. What the hell do they expect that lousy 35 cents to live forever? Walter Matthau, Robert Shaw. The most spectacular hijack in history. The taking of Pelham. One, two, three. I mean, you you were on me for years. Yeah, I gave you that VHS like back in the nineties. Yeah, so, like, you got to watch twenty it. years. And yeah. It's like okay, I will, I will, I will, and it was, it was on HBO Max, I think. And it was like going, okay, I'm going to watch this. And as I walked away, I said, "That was effing good. That was fucking really good." Walter Matthau is. Yeah, I mean, Walter Matthau is a weird guy for me. Like, I, I, I am preconditioned to like be hesitant and skeptical, but every time I see him, I like him a lot. Don't pass up January fourth. Don't pass up January 4th. Or is it February 4th? February 4th. February 4th. Uh, yeah, yeah I would, that was the next one I was going to bring up was, I mean, you really love Tar. Tar's great. It's the best movie I think I saw all of 2023. I've yet to see it. It's, 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 I think it may be my favorite movie of 2023, even though it came out in 2022. Right. So damn good. And something that I'm glad I saw in the theater. And highly recommend it to the three people, including yourself, that I haven't seen it yet. And he saw the third man for the umpteenth time. Yeah, for the umpteenth time, it is it is an outstanding flick. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that movie. Extreme Prejudice. One of my favorite rewatches in 15 years. Have you seen Extreme Prejudice? Yeah, with Powers Booth. Yeah, I love that movie. It is ugly, it is grimy, it is gritty, and it is goofy, and it is fun. Absolutely imperative that this job looks like civilian operation. Get down! Kiss the floor! I expect a little cooperation. Ralston, I expect you to stay out of my way. Put the damn gun down, soldier! Somewhere in America, a secret war is being waged. This is a case of national security. Go. A war of deception. It's a daylight hit. 
I couldn't over to talk about the bomb that went off yesterday. I got two people dead. Fought by a phantom army. Sergeant Buck Adwater killed Laos in 74. How can they be officially dead and two of them locked up in there? It's classified. Now, he's the only one that stands in their way. I got a feeling the next time we run into each other, we're going to have a killing. Termination with extreme prejudice. Anyone could be the enemy. Tell the FBI to kiss my... Tell me about it. I can't talk about it. I gotta do something about it. Nothing is what it seems. What the hell's the military robbing banks in Texas for? And unless he can stop them, it's poison. Everything he stands for is at stake. Very unusual. What is? Ordering the termination of an American civilian peace officer, clearly loyal to the country and in the process of bringing a known criminal to justice. What we're gonna do is we're told. Right, Sergeant? Kill him. Kill him like an animal. The only thing that ever scared the hell out of me, Cash, was myself. We are space-age high-tech, and we get caught by some stone-age cowboy. Nick Nolte. Extreme Prejudice. To a large degree, kind of a remake of, kind of a combination of Wild Bunch and Magnificent Seven. It's really quite good and trashy as fuck. Now, in March, uh, I did a birthday screening of Scott Pilgrim versus the World, and you uh, attended that screening, and I see that you have not rated it. It's a hard, it, it is, and I, I hate to say this, it's probably my second least favorite Edgar Wright flick. Really? Yeah, I think World's End, I didn't really like. Yeah, I didn't um, like that one either. Yeah, I yeah. Just, it just did. I didn't like it. Have you seen Last Night in Soho? Yeah, we oh, yeah, did. We usually talked yeah, about I this. Love that yeah, flick. yeah. Um, most Edgar Wright films I really like, but Scott Pilgrim, I like I said, is my least, second to least favorite. Doesn't mean I don't like it, right? Yeah. But it's you know compared to to many of his others, it just doesn't work for me as well. Oh, it's very clever. It's very funny, but I don't know how to properly rate it, right? Because the star ratings in and of themselves, I find problematic. Right, I know you're very clear on what they mean to you, right? And to me, it's like I, I I sometimes facilitate between it's like okay, am I gonna compare it against like the Avengers, the first Avengers? Is that a five star movie? Yeah. Well, to me, it is relative to the other Marvel movies. Yeah. But I don't know if it's really a five star movie relative to all the movies. Well, I see what you're saying. I so that's why saying. I always have the problem with it. So Scott Pilgrim, I do enjoy. I think that uh, Michael. Michael Sarah, he's such his character is such a putz in that movie. I mean, Scott Pilgrim <laughs> himself is a jerkweed, and I have no use for the guy. And Kieran Culkin is good. Yeah, but, but there's so much to like about it. It's just it's just a couple steps below some of my favorite Edgar Wright flicks. I mean, Last Night in Soho may be my favorite, or it may be Hot Fuzz. The the crazy thing about it was I I put it on my Instagram of hey I saw Scott mm-hmm. Scott Pilgrim on the theater which was super dope I remember this yeah and uh, I was just I was just saying like I did not I stupidly listened to the internet at the time that said this movie sucks so I didn't go see it it doesn't suck. I was living in it Canada at the time and yeah and I believed the internet and I didn't go see it and I felt bad about it because I saw it on Netflix like a year later and I was like holy shit this movie is really entertaining I can't believe I fucking just blew it bought off. their their bullshit. And Edgar Wright right. liked my that was, post. That was a cool thing. It's like, oh, super dope. It was nuts. Yeah, I mean, that movie does not suck. It does not suck at all. It's really entertaining. But I do I have a hard time putting a pin on it. It's like, okay, I think it was worth blah. Sure. And then the review, and I was like, okay. Because you've seen my letterbox. Usually I'll post something, and it'll probably be two to four days later I write a review. 
Right, right. So it just never came back. Yeah, you mark it and you go back to it. Yeah. Okay, so this was the first time you saw Supercop. It was a mark. No, I saw Supercop before then. I just didn't put the... Oh, you just didn't put the... Yeah. yeah. Letterbox did not exist then. (laughs) Well, yeah, I saw it on the uh, Criterion LaserDisc. Okay, you and my son both love The Sting. I love The Sting. I think The Sting is great. I mean, I'll watch Redford and Newman in their two movies over and over again. Even though I don't have much use for Redford. I love Newman. So, that was great. You you had one hell of an April, I have to say. Must have run through a lot of things. The Sting, The Magnificent Seven... The Long Kiss Goodnight, Master and Commander, High Sierra, Black Hawk Down. That, that's a pretty strong month. Yeah, but that was unfortunately all I saw. I think some of it was because I was in Midland, and then some of it was like, okay, just it lined up. Master Commander, hadn't seen before. Very good. Very good. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed Very disappointed that I didn't see that in the theater. I have a Master and Commander story I want to share with you. Let's hear. Spoilers. So you know the ending. When he when he gets onto the ship and says, where's the captain? Mm-hmm. And the doctor says, the captain is here dead on the table. And then you find out later, the captain is not dead on the table. The captain mm-hmm. was the doctor masquerading. Right. right? And, and so then the ship is gone and they have to catch up to the ship and then they roll credits and it's kind of like a cliffhanger. Right. Which is fitting of the book because I mean, he's Master and Commander series. is, there's yeah, there's like 15, 16 books or something. So Master and Commander is the first book. The Far Side of the World is the second book. And that's how the second book ends, as has been explained to me by my friend Dave Kenneman, because he's read them all. Okay, but you have not. I have not. Okay. But he read them all, and he said, that's how they end, and that's blah, blah, blah. I was in Denver at the time. It was it was Thanksgiving. It was really cold up there. And three of us, um, my wife's cousin, Steve, mm-hmm. and then his father-in-law, Chuck, we went to go see Master and Commander. I was blown away by it. Spectacle. Old yeah. Hollywood. Just seemed like Ben-Hur type of situation. I thought Russell Crowe and, and Paul Bettany were just mm-hmm. amazing in it. And then, so we went home, I guess it was about nine o'clock and we all, you know, the wives were playing, I don't know, fucking checkerboard or something. Right. Bunko. And, and while we were there, we were like, well, how was the movie? And we were, oh yeah, it was really good. You should go see it. It's good. And then Chuck proceeds to blow the ending. It's like, yeah. And it was really good because at the end, uh, you find out that the captain's not dead on the on the operating table. The doctor is actually the captain masquerading as the doctor, and then he 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 leaves on the ship, and they're separated. And there's this big, and then and then they roll credits. And you don't know what happens. Right. So I didn't say anything, and Steve didn't say anything. And then after that, we we went our separate ways. We were staying in one house, and Steve was staying in another house with his wife. And I got into bed with my wife, and I was like, I can't fucking believe that Chuck Humble blew Brian. the ending to. <laughs> To uh, to Master and Commander, and she was like, "What?" And I was like, "Yeah, that was that was basically the whole movie led up to that moment." So, unbeknownst to me, in the other house, Steve got in bed with his wife and said, "I cannot fucking believe that your dad blew the ending to Master and Commander." Of course, we didn't know that at the time. Right. We were saying the same exact thing. And then the next day, I guess you'd have to be there to understand that story. June, because I, I saw this on here and I thought this is kind of unusual. What's that? Superman 2. Well, I watched the original Superman, I think the month prior. Okay. So, because that is actually a, 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 just a pretty good dang movie, right? So, as a kid, I remember liking Superman 2 significantly more than Superman 1, which, as it turns out, my, you know, 
childhood memory is erroneous. Superman 1 is much better. Superman 2 is not great. But I've not seen the, um, is it the Donner cut? Yeah. Or is that Superman 1 that has the cut? I, can't, and I, haven't, I haven't seen that either. But what I, so I listened to the Projection Booth <laughs> podcast episode on Superman 2. Okay, I have not. And again, like as typical, like four and a half hours, do I really want to sit through right. listening? But it, it was really informative. And I didn't realize this, but basically uh, it was Dino De Laurentiis, right? Or whoever the, who the that fuck That sounds the, right. That sounds yeah, right. And, and they basically uh, tried to get Richard Donner to shoot two movies. Right. I think that was the plan Would, was to shoot at on the same time, other, yeah. yeah, but he, but Donner's contract was for one, which okay. So when when uh, Donner found out what they were trying to do, he was like, "I'm not shooting anymore since I'm not getting paid anymore." Right. And so he left, and then they they had to hire Dick Lester. I think that's right from yeah. like fucking Hard Day's Night yeah, and How Beatles, I Won the yeah. War. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. And so he he finished it, and there's only like. 45 minutes or an hour of his material that's jammed up against Richard Donner's material and Richard Donner took his name off the movie mm -hmm. and did all this other stuff. And it, it was quite the content. Of course, he never wanted to work for whatever studio it was again. Right. Um, and, and th that could be, now I'm not a fan of Superman, the, the, for the Christopher Reeves movies. I'm just, I'm just not in general, okay. in general. Yeah. And I didn't, this is very strange because everybody talks about just how amazing the special effects are in the first film. For the time. For the time. Right. But even when I was a kid, I was like, this is not, I don't, it seemed really extraordinary to me. It okay. seemed kind of fake. Okay. But that was just my you know, minority perspective of the sure. situation. I also just thought that Gene Hackman and Ned Beatty were just weird. Definitely just, weird. But yeah. they're supposed to be weird. And, and they successfully pulled that off. Right. It, it, it is rather shocking when you watch the first and the second one how little Gene Hackman's actually in it. Because really he should be such a much larger part of the whole movie and just the filming. But he's it's, – it's I don't know how much time it is in the first one. But it, he told me less than 15 minutes I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. It's a very small percentage of the film. At least yeah. that's what I remember. And, and I – now you have to – 40 years later, you have to look back as adults now. What an amazing time that was for cinema. Well, yeah. I mean, Christopher Reeve was like. And he did, for me, he was the perfect Clark Kent. Right. That really rolled into an exceptional Superman. I think Cavill may be a better Superman per se. I, I think so. Maybe? But, you know, Christopher Reeve hit the gym. Like, yeah. he, he dove himself and, into the park. And he was like the perfect. He was the, in my mind, the perfect you know, alter ego. I mean, he really played that part exceptionally well. Yeah. It was Clark Kent. It was, it was tremendous. And I appreciate after the fact that Margot Kidder's performance, mm -hmm. you know, I, I thought she had the right coquettishness, mm -hmm. which if you, if you look at her other films, you know, the, some of them, she's a, she spans as an actor. She has a remarkable, yeah, she's in black Christmas with John Saxon. That's yeah. an amazing film. Anyway, and, and of course, Hackman doing something like that at his age, at that point in time in his career, I thought that's pretty brave. Sure. Ned Beatty seems sure to... Sure, a couple bucks, too. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, it costs a lot. Ned Beatty, I've never taken seriously. I, I don't have much use for. I mean, that's probably completely unfair, but... Yeah, it's hard to take Ned Beatty serious in anything that you see him in. And, yeah. And... I hate to throw an actor like that under the bus because he's been in so many movies we've seen as kids. Yeah. It's not fair, but it's reality. I mean, his, but I do enjoy, like, you know, he's in Back to School with mm -hmm. Rodney Dangerfield. He plays Dean Martin. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just in and of itself funny. Yeah. 
I just love him in that movie. I do, but you know, do I love him in Deliverance? No, nah, not particularly. Really, yeah. yeah, or the Cannonball Run movies. Yeah, was is he, he in those? Why? Why is he not in the Cannonball? Well, Run I know movie? he definitely should be. I keep thinking of uh oh my gosh, what's his name? Dom DeLuise, which is not Ned Beatty. I know that. Right. Okay, so you you saw Notorious? Yes. Was that your first time? No, no, I've yeah. seen Notorious a couple times. Okay. Notorious is great. Yeah, I, I mean, just watched it like a month ago. Yeah, that's, that's I was floored. Yeah, it's 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 actually phenomenally entertaining. It's one of those, you know, Hitchcock is a name where you could look at it and say, I don't quite get it, right? But you see some of these movies and you're like, going, oh, I totally get it, and I totally get horizontal stripes. <laughs> I was telling you before about how um, Luke and I saw a movie uh, that was after Casablanca that was also Humphrey Bogart and Claude Rains. Mm-hmm. And they, they played airmen who were fighting in the war, total propaganda movie. And after it was over, uh, Luke said, uh, everybody should know who Claude Rains is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was. And he's the villain in Notorious. He is. But he's always got a. There's always a charm and an intrigue, right? He. He is always worth watching. Claude Rains, and who's the other guy we brought up earlier? Oh, um, uh, Mason. James Mason. James, James Mason. Mason. Yes. Bill Hader and John Hamm. Yeah, the John Hamm. The John Hamm, James that Mason. I never would have guessed in a thousand years that I was going to see that. Uh, you sent that clip to me. I think I watched it like four or five yeah, times. I did too. I was like, <laughs> I cannot believe I'm watching John Hamm, which made me really depressed that I didn't see the Fletch movie that John Hamm was in. Yeah, I didn't see it either. But it's like John Hamm is like, okay, my perception of you has changed dramatically because if you can do James, James Mason, Mason. <laughs> like, I want to see what you can do. Like, who is doing James Mason yeah, impersonations? Yeah, Even when people knew who he yeah. And that's another tragedy that yeah. people people know who he is now. No, and it's very strange, but it makes a lot of sense, but it's very strange. Yeah. But yeah, but watching John Hamm, like, like <laughs> nobody gets this. There's like 5% of the population. Oh, would you bring me that glass of water? <laughs> Thank you very much for this, this whole tone. It, it and... So it was remarkably well done. Let's see who's at the door. I hope it's not a pirate and a spooky spaceman. From the film Sunset Boulevard, Miss Gloria Swanson. And from Lolita, Mr. James Mason. I'm a pirate. Ah. Pirate? I don't really see a lot of effort as far as dressing like a pirate goes. I thought we agreed you would wear a costume. I'm a pirate, can't you tell? It's about the acting. I'm an actor. <laughs> That's what I do, and when I say I'm a pirate, I'm a pirate. Ah. Yeah. She's a pirate, Price. My Jolly Roger was at full mass the whole drive over. <laughs> No spaceman costume, James? No. Didn't even open the box. Too old-fashioned. The suit was too old-fashioned? No, I had two old-fashions and I couldn't open the box. I've been drunk <laughs> since 11 a.m., Price. Please, James, family show. Understood. Say, where are the whores? Cheesy, crazy, James. <laughs> Gloria, what's going on over there? Get off my pirate ship or the girl dies. Say, Vincent, do you mind if I slip into something more comfortable? I pissed myself on the way over here. Pretty numb down there, so I only know it when it hits my ankles. 
Gloria, another drink. No more drinks. No more drinks. Please. Bill Hader did that when he got his job on Saturday Night Live. Like, that he went in and did his whole... John Hader makes sense. Bill Hader? Or Bill Hader, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bill Hader makes a lot of sense for yeah, the... Uh, that's what he does. Yeah, yeah. He, and he's exceptional, but... <laughs> but Lorne Michaels was apparently like, yeah, nobody knows who the fuck James Mason is, no. and he'll hear Hader is doing it. He was like, you got this job. And he was going in for, like, screenwriter or something. He wasn't even going in as one of the actors. He wasn't actors. a performer. Yeah. He didn't like uh, the man from Uncle too much. Oh, no, no. I thought it was okay. Okay. What did I give it? Three? Three stars. Yeah, I mean, six out of ten. It's okay. okay. You were out of town, and you saw the apartment on the Criterion that Channel. That I'd never seen. And you texted I, I, me. I never saw the apartment. It's just one of those just hadn't seen. That is excellent. Billy Wilder, English I speak it eventually. Mm. Is yeah, fast becoming one of my favorite directors that I'm going to be interested in seeing almost anything he makes, which is why I watched The Seven Year Itch, which is frankly not that great. Yeah, I did not like the that one. Department is at all. excellent, but you liked Infernal Affairs. Yeah, it, it was good. I, I think I like. I, I do think I like The Departed better, but that doesn't mean that Infernal Affairs wasn't very, very, very good. And Viva Las Vegas, which was awesome. Oh yeah, with uh. Elvis and Anne Margaret. Anne Margaret. And Anne Margaret was completely bonkers, and it was great. But she apparently, when she was running around in the 60s and 70s, everyone was in Hollywood was highly impressed with yeah. with her personality and I charis- see that. charisma. Yeah, I mean, she is just exuded. And I can't remember last film I saw with her in it, but she's, you know, she's Canadian. I didn't know that. And no. she comes from a, a town right outside of Halifax, Nova Scotia. I had no idea. you can go to her childhood home. Huh? But she is, yeah, she was crazy charming. Well, I've seen those. They've got clips from Viva Las Vegas all over the freaking, you know, Twitter and the internet and and Mm -hmm. Instagram and everything. And that that one scene where she's wearing the the black stockings. Yeah, it's it's bananas. Crazy. She was an excellent dancer. And probably one of those things that I couldn't believe was kind of (laughs) legal. Yeah, I know. It's like, you're really, uh, okay. (laughs) Legal is the wrong word. So I recently, like last month or the month before... (laughs) I watched uh, In the Name of the Rose, or The yeah, Name of the Rose. Yeah, yeah, And I, I mentioned on my letterbox about how I remember when I saw that in the theater with my dad, Christian Slater and his acting partner, whose name I can't remember, and please forgive me, they had full frontal nudity in that scene. And I saw it on HBO, and they had it, too, on HBO. Mm-hmm. And then all of that was cut out of the Amazon version. And then you replied to that by saying... That you'd done your own research. Well, after, after you put that, I was obviously interested because I, I don't really like that kind of editing. But, well, what was it? I, I mean, well, one of it was like, oh, he's an underage young man. He was so, 16 yeah, when they shot that I, film. Yeah. But it was one of those things where, you know, what Amazon theoretically at least was provided is not necessarily what is. It wasn't a choice by Amazon. Right. So right. Right. Like right. When the French Connection was on Criterion Channel. It wasn't one of those things where they decided to excise offensive language it was what was provided and okay there's, there you go but i do remember that it's like oh well he was 16 so i guess yeah it was probably we i think it was a german licensing yeah there was something along those lines and whatever german television program ran they cut it that way and that was and that is what aired so that is what was licensed to amazon mm-hmm. in fact if they had licensed it from the source correct it would have been it would have been the full frontal. I'm sure there's a couple bucks there. The full Monty. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now, I just brought it up as an aside. I didn't know the entire backstory, but the, the whole Reddit thread was really fascinating. Yeah, I thought so, yeah. Yeah, which I tracked out. You've got tons. You had one hell of a November. I guess I, was also, I must have been home. I mean, the, the – <laughs> well, it starts off with the killer. You and I saw that in the theater. Which, which is excellent. Which we already kind of kind went of over. But, yeah. Yeah. And really, really verbal. A very verbal movie. Yes, it was. If you don't like a uh, voiceover, I'd be interested to see what your thoughts were, considering it was. I mean, the whole thing was an internal monologue. Yeah, that was all voiceover. But I thought it was really well done. I mean, it's all it's a Fincher, so I would I would have been surprised had I not liked it. I did I did sit here and watch it with with the audio on. I was on the floor nursing a bad back and and watched it in full, and I really enjoyed it. But there was another time. I think it was like the next day. I watched it again. Uh, with the sound off, okay, and it it, it wasn't in, it wasn't uh, intentional. I just had the mute on, right. and then I, I didn't realize the mute was on until I was about five or ten minutes into it, and then I just didn't I didn't turn the volume up, and the subtitles are not on. I just watched it as a silent film, and I, I found it extraordinarily compelling. What would it be like if it was yeah, just the sound effects and the score, but no, yeah, talking? I would be very interested. in well, that that will be interesting considering we can bypass anything I watched. You saw Silent Night, which is essentially a version conceptually of that, right? Right, right, yeah. Because there's no dialogue in that, from what I understand, or at least minimal? Very minimal, yeah. Right. Secondary right. and third character. So how was that? Because I, I, I want to see this is a John Woo flick. And John I, I recommend it. Like, it's not, it's not, you know, in his top quarter. Sure. It was a brave project. It's got his visual style, which I miss. Mm -hmm. and, oh, yeah. and, and yeah. I just when you think about old school John Woo and you know we just when we were teenagers and college kids we just fell in love with that style of movie mm -hmm. making and all of that is still in, in place and he does it just as masterfully as ever yeah, you know it's like watching Hitchcock in 1940 and Hitchcock in 1965 it was like it just feels good right it, it was very I mean it makes a lot of sense right but I was kind of surprised that he he came out with his first American movie and you know, very it long been time. 15 years, yeah. probably, at least. Yeah. Which and is... there was no fanfare about it, which I get. But those people who didn't know what it was were very enthusiastic. And I'm one of them, but I just didn't get a chance to see it. Yeah, I didn't even know until his, until, because Luke saw it and it was like, action film, I want to go see it. It looks cool. And it had the Christmas theme, which was kind of, you know, skewed because it was bloody. Mm -hmm. You know, it'd be like a horror film. Right. Which Silent Night, I think back in the eighties they had one. It was like a guy in a Santa costume that was going around packing yeah, people up. Right. Yeah. But anyway, I really liked uh, Joel Kinnaman's performance. Joel Kinnaman played um, He was in the uh, two suicides. Right. Yeah. And I really liked him in the second one. Mm -hmm. And these yeah, that was I, interesting. Yeah. I thought that was an awesome I didn't love that movie, but I thought he was pretty good. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I thought so too. And this was kind of the first time where we get to study him as opposed right. to a whole cast of people. Not an ensemble. Yeah, and it it was. And I don't think there's anything in Silent Night that you haven't seen before, but it was the way that Wu does it. Right, it's Wu. just so much. Well, not necessarily better, but maybe better, but yeah. definitely done. No, did you read the first half of my review on that movie about my experience in the theater? I don't. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. With the uh, remarkably outstanding, you know, co cohorts you were there with, or I, the people you sat next to. I can't believe. Yeah, people suck. The fucking Sometimes. gall people have to come into a movie theater and behave like that. Like, I know that I'm a cinema freak, whatever, but... The good news is, is it's a fairly small percentage of the time. 
It's been a very long time since someone behaved like that in a the theater. Yes. But it is real disruptive. So for our listeners, who, if you want to go on and read my account of what it was like to read Silent Night, I was in a Cinemark. I was in the center with my son. It was, I think it was Tightwad Tuesday. And this three women came in and sat to my left on my row. I guess there was three or four seats down. And the one nearest me uh, pulled out a sandwich like a Subway sandwich. It was really loud with the wrapper, which I don't care if people bring food. Well, also, you were saying this was during the previews. And it was Subway. during the previews okay. and trailers. It's not like, optimal, but okay. I, I don't give a shit. Loud talking, then like burping, like loud burping. I was like, Jesus. Like, you know. Not very ladylike. Well, I'm, I mean, I don't care about other people's <laughs> manners, but like no, in but a still, theater, there were yeah. there were about 30 people. Taiwan Tuesday at Cinemark, it gets pretty crowded. Like, right. There's a lot of people there, particularly for if it's kid stuff. Gotcha. So... Anyway, the, it's, I'm willing to give it the go. John Woo's name comes up, and I start getting excited. I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't realize I was in a John Woo film. Oh, like so this. you didn't know it at all. I didn't know, no. Yeah. And yeah. I just went because Luke said, let's go. I start to realize in, in the five minutes, like, this is going to be a silent movie. Mm-hmm. Like, this is going to be, like, at first I thought, well, that's just the style of the opener. I'm like, oh, no, like, this is going to be. This is the movie. This is the movie. Like, what was the one that won Moonlight or whatever? It won Best Picture, like, ten years ago yeah, or something. Well, Moonlight was, like. Four years, but okay. Four, but four, yeah, it was recent. Yeah, yeah, eighteen or nineteen. So, I, I thought, oh, okay, well, this will be interesting. And of course, I just told you about my killer experience. Mm-hmm. And Luke and I had just watched some silent movies. We strike in October Are by you, Sergei Eisenstein. But okay, go on. Huh? I think it's called the actor. The actor. Oh, okay, okay. Think, yeah, but yeah. go on. Yeah. Anyway, so the minute like she starts, I now you would think like during. During a quote unquote silent movie, it wouldn't matter if people were talking, but it, it actually was worse. Mm-hmm. And now to to go back, no, I can see that where well, that would be way worse, actually. Yeah, because you're trying to really focus on the visuals of what right. he's trying to show you. Now to go back just a little bit, um, when we went to go see the Avengers Endgame, my wife and I dropped, I think, food included, 150 to 175 dollars to go see the Avengers Endgame. Good golly. Okay, we went to Star Cinema Grill uh-huh. and like four four people eating. Oh, okay, so it wasn't just you and your wife; it was the family. Right, okay, it was okay. the family. That makes okay, sense. and we yeah. had center seat tickets. And this fucking asshole went out to the hallway next to the theater uh, to talk on a cell phone, and it made it worse than if he was actually in the audience because it bounced off the walls. And oh, okay. everyone in the fucking they were like a four hundred seat theater. Everyone heard him. This is while spoilers. This is while Tony Stark dies. That kind of ruins that the time. whole scene. So I had to actually go. I had to leave my seat, go out to the hallway, and fucking deal with this prick. Mm-hmm. And then I, I missed the whole scene. So that that sucks. That so that is the apex of that twelve or thirteen movie run, right? Of phase one through four, yeah, or the whatever. Whole Fifteen years leading up to this, right? Singular moment. So you can you can see how that that soured my attitude for the rest of the film because I'm not focused oh, sure. on the resolution. Yeah. I'm focusing on this what this fucking asshole did. Yeah. Right. So it was quite a similar situation. So I I didn't want. I'm glad it happened in the first five instead of the last five minutes. But I I just leaned over and I say, "Excuse me, ma'am, can you be quiet during the movie?" Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and I, I quoted it. Yeah, that was a re- weird phrase. It was it was shut the fuck up, sister. I think is what she told me. I'm like, oh, okay, sister, okay. <laughs> All right. So she clearly thought I wasn't man enough to do anything to stop her. That's what I read that as. Sure, maybe. I'm well, just... and I'm not going to get into like a right. fucking masculinity pissing contest. I just went and got the supervisor. I was mm-hmm. like, look, man, 
Uh, I understand it's Taiwan Tuesday, but, but still, it's a couple bucks. This is, you know, there's 30 people in this theater. It's not just my five bucks. Right. And she thinks her five bucks is worth more than everyone else's five bucks. So he came into the theater and I pointed her out, stood right in front of her, put my finger that in one. her face like, this, this is the fucking cunt who did this. And he, he stood there. He didn't say anything. He was in there for about 15 minutes and he left. She didn't make a fucking peep after that. There was a little bit of chatter like, uh, like you know, and I was afraid that it was going to be, let's see how far we can take this before he leaves again. Sure, sure. But after, after the first half hour, just nothing. Just zip. So I left the theater. I went back to the supervisor and I said, thank you so much for, for making the movie worth it. This was John Woo. This was really important. Right. And, and you know, I'm here usually twice a week. You know, I'm going to come back next week for Wonka. What can I do for you? You know, who can I call? Who can I write? Mm -hmm. Who can I tell? What do I do on social media that throws, throws light on Cinemark? Sure. Cause I really appreciate this. And he said, you can talk to my boss. So the manager of the Cinemark was actually there on shift. And I came and, and told him the exact same thing. Like, mm -hmm. I really appreciate Cinemark really supporting the audience. Right. That was, that was my story about Silent Night. So what positive things do you have to say about the Thomas Crown Affair? That's a really entertaining flick. Um, unfortunately, hadn't seen it. I know that's kind of a popular refrain, but just one of those I just hadn't seen. And um, I have like two positive things to say about it, almost exclusively about the performances. I never bought Pierce Brosnan as 007. It just didn't work for me at all. And there's no compelling argument I can put forth to support my perspective. Right, it's just he just didn't work for me. But he was great in this. You know, you kind of totally get it. It's like, oh, okay. And then Renee Russo was pitching about 115 miles per hour. She was, um, yeah. Renee Russo is amazing in that. She film. was amazing, and I, I, I wasn't aware. I know I'd heard it somewhere. I don't recall where. I didn't realize she was a, um, a model before her acting I, career. I heard that on the rewatchables. That must have been where I heard it. Yeah. yeah. So I wasn't aware of that at all because to me, she's always been an actress. Right. Yeah. And but in this one is like she was very good as an actress and she was very brave as an actress. Uh, there she, was a lot of nudity. There is a lot of nudity in that film, but she really <laughs> I think I might but, be in the minority. I think she's the lead in that film. No, she is definitely the lead yeah. in the film. I don't think you're in the probably not the way it was uh, advertised, but she was definitely the lead of the story. Yeah, Brosnan had the title. Yeah, but she was yeah. definitely the lead of the story. It was her movie. I mean, if I click on it on, uh, I'm sure she second bill on letterbox in 1999, which was, as we know, was like a That's huge the last year of true classics. That's probably not accurate, but that's the way I feel. I mean, it's got an average score of 3.3, which is fucking wrong. Well, I, I don't, I don't know what the average score of movies is. I mean, if you got a, it's on a 10, it's a five, five point scale. So you multiply your 3.3 by two. It's, 6.6, .6, almost 7 out of 10. Okay, that seems not unreasonable. Well, I, I mean, I suppose. But, I mean, look at this fucking cast. Dennis Leary, Ben Gazzara. Oh, yeah. You know, Faye Dunaway coming back from the first movie. Mm -hmm. And then it had uh, Barney from uh, Silence of the Lambs. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, Dennis Leary's partner. Oh, I was like, oh, it's Barney. I've never seen Barney in anything else but this. I, I mean, his, his name is Barney. That's not his name. But... Yeah, yeah. I got you. And the bowler hat was obviously, but yeah, very clever, very well done. And I, I think there's, I I'd seen on the Google net that there's like, 
McTiernan is making another movie. So hopefully it actually happens. Because talk about a guy who... Yeah, uh, fall from grace. Yeah, and it's one of those where... Spent time in jail. Yeah, spent time in jail and just... I, got involved in a lot of lawsuits he didn't have to fight. Yeah, but it was one of those where it's like, man, his hitting percentage of the classics is pretty high. It is, and, and you know... I kind of liken it without the jail time, of course. I kind of right. liken it to uh, uh, Peter Bogdanovich. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, in, and we've had this conversation before, where like I like the man, and I appreciate what he's done for for the history of cinema, but I don't particularly like his movies. Very I'm much. really, I'm still very surprised by this. Yeah. I, I just can't wrap my head around it. Every it's time like, I watch one, I did, I saw What's Up Doc a few months ago, and I just particularly didn't. Which I find shocking. I thought yeah. you know, that was right up your alley. Yeah, I thought it would be too. Like I'm finally going to see a Bogdanovich movie that I love, and I just. Didn't like it at all. Yeah. And and really, like, the, if you look at his first five or six movies, the, the batting average is, like, really high. Right. And What's Up Doc was making a lot of money for yeah. Warner Brothers. I think it's pretty critically um, praised. Yeah. And then, of course, he had you – know, he puts – Yeah. I mean, he put Sib- Sybil Shepard in a movie, and it didn't work out. And then he made one with uh, Audrey Hepburn that didn't work out. And and, and then in the 80s came, and, and – uh, mask was popular, but they cut it wrong and he was vocal about it. He campaigned against the picture and then he sued, I think Paramount over the picture. And, and that just didn't make him friends with anybody in Hollywood. And no, he was, uh, I, I, from what I can understand, he was, he didn't have a lot of friends because once he was, he and Sybil Shepard were such self-satisfied, satisfied jerkweeds. Yeah. Narcissists. It's kind of, yeah. It's like, eh, when he failed, they were very happy to just keep pounding him probably for much too long. Yeah, the nice thing is there's a a multiple episode podcast by Ben Mankiewicz where he interviews Bogdanovich mm-hmm. and they go over sort of his life and his narrative and it's called I'm Still Peter Bogdanovich and I think it's on the AMC podcast feed. Sounds right, yeah. Yeah, and he actually goes on with that and, and talks about how, you know, in, particularly in the St. Jack days, the things were, you know, he he didn't mean to come off as a narcissistic right. yeah, asshole, yeah, yeah. But, just, but that's what... That's what people took it as. He he recognized that that's, that's like yeah. one one movie said he he was on saddle in the studio the entire time because he said it was just easier to direct a western while you're in the saddle. Kind and of a bit much, but I, okay. I could see like if you're an actor, right, and you're constantly having to look up to your director, and there's really no reason why the director is on a fucking horse. You'd be annoyed. You'd be very annoyed. Real quick. Yeah. Yeah. I but I am that is one of those mysteries to me and to you as well, obviously. It's like I should like this guy, but I don't. Yeah. Well, I like uh the cat's meow. I've not seen that's, that. That's that's a really good movie. But also the subject matter kind of appeals to me because that's about that famous yacht ride where Thomas Entz got shot when okay. on Hearst's yacht. Okay. And yeah, Ed yeah. Hopper was or was Luella Parsons was on board. Right, I can see where that would be or... she was working for one of Hearst's papers and when she got off the yacht after Thomas Enns was dead she got a lifetime contract um and who else was on board charlie chaplin was on board marion yeah. davis was on board and they were accused of having an affair and the the idea is that hearst fucking flipped his top and the gun went off in in an effort to kill charlie chaplin and then the bullet hit thomas ends in the head there's no evidence for this but there's no it's a, it's a compelling story and possibly true but we don't know yeah and Kristen dunst plays uh marion davies whom i i really enjoy in that film but i have to say the cake for Marion Davis portrayal goes to Amanda Seyfried and Mink. Yes. Amazing. I need to see that again. I haven't seen it since it came out in December of 2022. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Or 2021 probably? I saw it on the theater, yeah. So, 
think it, I think it was 2020. Yeah. So anyway. Anyways. Yeah, it was right after the pandemic. Okay. So, before we move on to the holdovers. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have anything else to cover? Oh, probably, but we don't. Okay, we'll cut it now. We'll come back for the holdovers. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening to Dave and I on the Super 70 Podcast. You can find me, my books, and my blog at www.thatdillandavis.com. You can reach me at thatdillandavis at gmail.com. I'm also on Letterboxd and Threads. I'm Dylan Davis, and we'll see you next time in Mumbai. This is the first time this award has been given to an actor who has played a man who smells like fish. <laughs> thank you, Golden Gloves. And thank you to Alexander Payne, Alexander the Great, who, for some mysterious reason, continues to have enormous faith in me, and why? I don't know why. Uh, and Divine. Joy Randolph, Dominic Sessa, I love you very much.
David Hemmingson, Focus Features, the entire cast and crew in Boston, Beantown, fantastic people, one and all. Uh, I want to say I love my beautiful girlfriend, Clara Wong. Why you bother with me, I don't know. Why? Uh, and I guess I want to give a shout out to my son, Samuel, who recently graduated from college. Thank you. And it's a movie about a teacher. I play a teacher in it. My whole family, they're teachers. All of them, going back generations. Teachers are good people. Got to respect them. They do a good thing. It's a tough job. So this is for teachers as well. Thanks, guys. Thank you. How you doing? Well, I'm not okay, as good wow. as you, Here, sir. I'm seeing you again now. It's like, wow, lots happened. It has. Yeah. Took home a whole statue. I took home a whole statue. Okay, so the look on your face was a little bit of shock, but Very, come on, Not Paul. a little bit. No, a fair amount of it. And the, and golden, the golden Globe, globe goes, goes to Paul Giamatti. Really? Nope. Nope. Wasn't thinking that was going to happen. I mean... No. Okay, so let's go back. The moment that they open the envelope right before they <laughs> yeah, say no. your name, what it's is It's going to be somebody else. <laughs> I just was like, it's going to be somebody else. I didn't think it was going to be. And then how long does it take to process? I, until now. It's like I'm processing now. I'm processing now, dude. I don't know. It's, it's, it's shocking. You and Dave Vine swept this right? thug, man. On, swept man. this thing. How amazing. Come on. She's the best. Yeah, well, and, She's the and best. so are you. I mean, well, I know you. she loves you so much. She was here talking her. about she it as well. I mean, you really do. I don't know. Where does the chemistry come from? Was it immediate? Did you guys yes, have to spend it was time immediate. after? No, okay. it was immediate. It was one of those things we didn't have to talk about anything. Yeah. And that's the best. You don't talk about anything. It just happens. Mm -hmm. You just get in a room with the person and it just happens. So She's good. amazing. So good. Thank you. What's the after party like oh, tonight? Oh, I don't know. I was kind of like, because uh, I didn't think I was going to win. I wasn't playing. I was like, oh, good. Now I got to go. I don't know what's going to happen. Baby, you got to run. Dude, it's going to be nuts. That's what happens. It's going to be nuts. Are we going to see Paul Giamatti in the middle oh, of the dance uh, floor? Oh, wow. Oh, oh, oh that's it. Oh. That's, that was it. <laughs> that's I just did the whole thing. I just did all of it. I'm spent. <laughs> I love it. I'm so happy for you. You, you are just much. a gem. Thank you Congratulations. Thank you very Yes, much. indeed. Here we go. Yeah. Good. How are you? Congratulations. You. Best actor. You're being, not, you're being honored tonight. Yeah, very nice. Really nice. Oh, yeah, for this movie, too. People love the movie, and that's really great. It's nice. Yeah. At the Golden Globes, you honor teachers. Was there any teacher that stood out to you growing up that you really resonated with, that you still remember to this day? Oh, sure. I mean, I had a lot of amazing teachers. I had an English teacher in the seventh grade named Mrs. Bishop who was really, really kind and really, really encouraging and the best teacher I ever had. Bar none, high school, college, anything. She was the best teacher I ever had. She was amazing. And Davine getting the uh, best supporting actress at the Dave Golden Globe. getting all this love. Well, it's about time, and she's amazing. So it's really nice to see. Honestly, we don't have in and out here, but what are we hitting up after? We're, I mean, no. What do we got? We got Shake Shack here. We got Five Guys. We got a lot of hamburger places here. A lot of bodegas, okay. What am I going to go do? Make myself a nice, like a chopped cheese sandwich or like a bodega or something like that? You know what? That's not a bad idea. That isn't a bad idea, actually. All right, that's a good idea. I'll meet you on the corner after the show. Thank you.